afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. And I'm Kyle Dotson. <laughs> and Kyle, tonight it's cool because a lot of times, since you're half my age, yeah. we don't agree on, on the same music. Right. But tonight is kind of exciting. Yes. Because we got a member of, of KISS. Yes, we do. We got Bruce. And Bruce, I should have asked you this before. Is, how do you say your last name? Is it Kulik or Kulik? Say it any way you want, okay? Kyle said it's like Kulik. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. But how, how do you, what's I, the correct? You know, I get asked this a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I really think my parents just didn't want to sound like Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. you know, to sound maybe eth- ethnic-ish yeah. or something. It's actually a Russian name. So I think they decided it's Kulik, you know what I mean, which made it a little hard for people to figure out how to spell it. And right. And then working with John Karabi, when I had a band with him, it yeah. was always Kulik. Gene sometimes was very specific about it with, with Kulik, you know. Mm. I don't care as long as you know me, you know what I mean? Well, we know you. <laughs> yes, We definitely you. know you. But it's kind of funny that it comes up a bit. So. Well, welcome to the show. We're very excited to, uh, to have you here. We are, uh, we're big KISS fans. Uh, Kyle, you never saw Bruce perform, though. No. See, I did. I saw Animalized Tour and I saw Revenge Tour. And uh, great, just great shows. Well, thank you. Both times. But, um, Bruce, you have been, how long have you been playing guitar? Really? Uh, wow. I started, I guess it's almost 50 years then. 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. So since you were, if we give your age away, since That's you were okay. like about That's 11. Right. Yes. And your brother, Bob, also mm-hmm. plays guitar. Yes. Who started playing guitar first? Well, he is older, even though I think his Wikipedia is wrong or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, like probably many other people that you've spoken to, the, uh, the British Invasion yeah. of the Beatles, especially that concert, all of a sudden there was a guitar in my hand. I, I have to give my brother credit that he actually wanted to h- play the guitar slightly even before that all uh-huh. took off. But that changed the world, you know, as you know. Yeah. And, and um, fortunately, the guitar was very comfortable in my hand. So I started taking lessons from the... There was a local record shop mm-hmm. down the street in Brooklyn. And, and there was a guy there that taught... You know, oddly enough, it wasn't a music store. It was just like a record and, and music. Everything. Yeah, no instruments, just, uh, just probably, music. But I, I learned, you know, and I, I had a um, pretty natural ability. So I, it, it is remarkable that I haven't, you know, stopped in all those years. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's, I, I always try to try to figure out what, what's the age cutoff, because everyone always says the British invasion. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering how, what's the youngest where you can't right. really say that? And I people know, won't believe I know. it. Uh, but but really, that did put so many uh, guitars in in people's age, you know, in in their hands rather. And it, and you find no matter who in the industry that you meet, even if it's a guy that that was like in the record industry, if there's right. such a thing anymore. But you know what I'm saying? Anything yeah. with with creative people, they'll always talk about the Ed Sullivan thing. And even if they didn't buy a guitar, they were just like, or they wanted to be something. They imagined themselves as, as one of the Beatles. Yeah, it, uh, it allowed you to, to, to dream a little bit, to go, wait, yes. if these young kids can come from England and be right. on the Ed Sullivan Show, why can't I do achieve yep. something great? It, it's really cool. remarkable, the, the cultural revolution that, that went on then. And uh, 
I'm glad I, you know, as much as no, you don't want to see yourself get older and we all get older, but I'm damn, I'm glad I went through that as much as, you know, there were crazy things uh, with Vietnam shortly after and yeah. stuff like that. But, but the music and, and the way it evolved and what came out of all of that, uh, and actually the hope of revolution and change and all of a sudden the hairstyles and right. clothing styles and art and everything just flourished in such a, um, kind of a, a, a very extreme manner in a very brief amount of time with maybe the Beatles being kind of the, you know, the four, you know, you know, at, at the forefront of the whole revolution, Absolutely, let's call yeah. it. And, and many other bands being important too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but the fact that that music still rings so true and, and, and I don't think it does just because like, you know, all of us, you, you know, kind of like you smell a hamburger <laughs> and you remember when you, you know, even if you don't right. eat meat anymore, you know, that smells good. But, but there's just some real substance there, and I and I do feel that um, I I am a fan of some current bands, but I just know that that whole British invasion was something magical. It is amazing with the Beatles. I mean, everyone knows the Beatles. Mm -hmm. I have I have kids. Uh, they, my ten year old, she yep. can sing. Sure, you name it. She know, they know all the lyrics. It's crazy. Good. Also, I know it is good. <laughs> also, um, doing what you love uh, keeps you young because everyone I've had in here looks mm -hmm. amazing. You look amazing. Well, thank you. Steve Lukather looked amazing. Right. Everyone, John Waite looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these people, you guys are keeping it together. I love running into some of my my peers, you mm -hmm. know, and I do meet you know many through through the through the ages. I even ran into Michael. I mean, I'm sorry, Randy Jackson today at my local doctor's office. No, that's 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 not Randy Jackson of the Jackson Five. That's Randy no. Jackson, yeah. from American Idol, yes. a bass yes. player. Randy who, Jackson, who, yeah, he became very very you know famous yeah. and obviously very successful. But he played uh, with Journey. Show, but he's he's a musician, yeah. you know. And and he looked great too. And he actually it was the first thing he said. He said he looks great. You know what I mean? It was kind of funny. You know that. that you know, all right. But I do I do think that music. Yeah. There's something about what we do or this this drive of um, being creative yeah. and being maybe maybe relevant. Uh, relevant. I think I think I do see people uh, my age that probably gave up a long time ago for whatever reason. Yeah. They, you know. I and I get it. I, I mean I never had any kids. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. but I accept that because uh, my career has been so yeah. fruitful, and I didn't choose that well back then. I'm with a wonderful woman right now, but it's past she's right. That she's stage. here. She's right over there. Yes, of she course. seems wonderful. Lisa is a doll. <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah. Um, but 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 getting back to just yeah. you know, I I travel enough to see all the people that just uh, if they're my age, you know, they they they're not. I don't know if it's just life beat them down or they didn't care. And mm -hmm. then there's others though that are depending on what you're maybe where you live and what you do does keep you young, but I do know music keeps you young. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, if you're in the spotlight, you got, you got to kind of keep up the appearance. Like, I mean, no one wants to see uh, a, a fat Paul Stanley uh, trot out <laughs> exactly. there and, and put that, uh, his, uh, his costume on. No one wants to see that. I mean, and Paul, exactly. Paul looks amazing. I know. I, I know. Mean, no. And, and you know, like if we're going to be real current to right now with the Rolling Stones going out on their mm -hmm. big tour and yeah. them being even older than Paul or myself or, <laughs> You know, forget McCartney. I mean, he just looks incredible, yeah. and and that energy that he puts out. But Mick Jagger, all the guys, all the reviews were just like, "This is amazing." And and I love seeing that and hearing and reading. I didn't get to the concert in San Diego. I have some friends that did, 
but really the fact that um, people that age, you know, I watched this morning on, on my Facebook, someone shared a photographer that did an excellent job at one of the Grand Funk shows, and she saw The Who. She's on the East Coast. So I actually, I, did, I don't usually bother to watch like a five-minute, you know, video clip on Facebook. I had to, you know, yeah. and I'm watching Won't Get Fooled Again by then. I've worked with Daltrey at the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Daltrey looks amazing. But I'm, and I'm watching Towns, and I know he's the guy that wrote, you know, Hope I Die Before mm-hmm. I Get Old, you know, and... Uh, and there he is, probably 60-plus for sure. Maybe I think he just turned 70. Thank you. Yeah. And he's rocking on that Strat and just giving it up. He did a couple of windmills with the hand. You mm-hmm. know, They're in the, in the key that they were when they were That's teenagers. Great. I was really surprised to see that. I went right over to my guitar. I said, what key are they in? You know, and they didn't even drop the key. They were terrific, you know, and I really enjoyed seeing it. And the song just, you know, it was Won't Get Fooled Again. How can you miss on that one? I, uh, I, actually, think, I actually think Pete looks better as an older gentleman because he was kind of an awkward, yes, rocky he was, yeah. young person. Yeah. And I think he's grown into yep. the nose and everything. Yeah, I think yeah. he looks amazing. But it proves the theory. So I'm okay with getting older as long as I st- still have this distinguished rock and roll <laughs> musician thing. I mean, I think people know there's a musician there, even if they don't know me from, from my career. You yeah, know, they, they'll go, they go, I think that's... So you're in music, right? You you know what I mean? How do I know you? One of those things. Exactly. Um, What, uh, who, you toured on, were you on the first Meatloaf tour? Am I correct with that? Yes, yes. But you're, you're, uh, you're not in the videos though. No. And the the only thing ironic about that was uh, having an older brother who helped get me the audition and helped Mm me be the, I was the Todd Rungren for uh, Meat because Todd Mm -hmm. played all the guitars on Bad Out of Hell. And my brother was a known guitarist already who, who had done other work. And they, they, you know, he answered the ad first when we auditioned. And he brought me along because they were looking for two guitarists. And, and you got the, Bob brought you along, but you got the gig over? Both of us played lead guitar in the band. Oh, you did? Oh, yes, okay, good, yes. good, good. It was Killer Bob and Pretty Boy Bruce. Okay. <laughs> um, That's what yeah. me referred to you as. Yes, yes. And boy, it, it was, it, that, what a gig that was. It was really wild because uh, it started from nothing. I mean, yeah, he had that, that amazing record, which is still breaks records. Still. And it's up to like 40 million or something obscene. Uh, but, uh, and actually the newest copy, if you've bought one, a CD that was remastered in the past five or six years, has a couple live tracks on it, which is my brother and I. I think I'm on the left. <laughs> okay, there, there's a there's I a bad out of hell see, live. I have that. Yeah. I have the remastered CD. Yeah, so look for the two live. See, I didn't tracks. do my homework Where, enough, yeah. Kyle. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But but getting back to um, meatloaf and uh, wh- why did you bring that up? You were mentioning um, just that. Uh, just uh, th- to me, that's I think for me that was your first, to my knowledge, your first major gig. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, uh, that set the stage for other things, and and uh, boy, did I learn a lot from that. I mean, come on. We literally went from being booed off the stage, opening for Cheap Trick, who we all knew and loved, yeah. and well, it was on kind of their turf yeah. in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, to obviously selling out arenas and traveling the world and, and doing huge, huge gigs for, for almost a year, and uh it was pretty exciting. We we played on Saturday Night Live, you know. Yes, and I'm I talking heard. about yep. during the uh, John Belushi days. I was still like, "Where am I?" Because there was nine people in the band. <laughs> you know, we had we had other singers. It's still a trip to look like I follow Jim Steinman on Facebook. You know, brilliant songwriter, yeah. very eccentric character, and 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 um, it, sometimes it takes that kind of a person. 
and Meatloaf Car- and Carla DeVito. She was yes. background on the tour. Yes. Background singer. She did Great. the tour. She let her hair go gray and she's married to Robbie Benson. Benson you yes. Know? And I follow her on Facebook too. Um, but, and Meatloaf, I know when he had the, um, residency in, in Las Vegas, which did very well. I know Bob went to see him. My brother did continue on uh, to, to tour. Yeah, the Neverland, he was part of the Neverland yes. Express tours. He did other tours. In fact, uh, by the time I joined Kiss in 84, they were on the same bill at this very unique, um, I don't know, it was like a motocross, uh, you know, kind of uh, Holland, uh, you, you know, event with right. with the sports thing and, and bands playing. And I remember Meatloaf was, was there too. There's a, a really iconic picture of you know, meatloaf with Paul and Gene and myself and my brother, which was kind of trippy. That's excellent, you know? yeah. And, and I just kind of fell into the band. I wasn't really a member quite yet, but I was I was there, you know, as the start of my Kiss thing. But but the meatloaf thing is, um, that's a phenomenon that not a lot of my Kiss fans are aware of it mm-hmm. or or kind of uh, um, know that history for me. But that was, that was a very good way to get my feet wet, wet shall I say, because Kiss obviously was going to have a lot of demands on me. But you mentioned the videos, that's why. Yes. So because of my brother and my brother being like a guy who already was in New York on the scene and business, business, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you want us to be there for a video? And Bob and I was able to book us a session. And back then it was through the union, you know, you know, it was was a real, the real deal. And um, no, I'm sorry. Well, well, what are you paying us to do the video? And it was like, there was no money for the video, you know, nothing. And we were like, sorry, we'll be at the session, you know, and I actually did my very first professional session for an artist named michael wendroff i mean i don't you know, know michael wendroff you, no he never did anything but if you looked on like kissfacts.com you know they have it there <laughs> right. okay they have the album there those nerds are uh, going oh, deep they, into it they they know everything when i that's, i say nerds with love yes but that's how i research myself too because so, so, <laughs> somebody will ask me something i'm going like you know what i'm not sure but i go to kissfacts.com you know there's but gonna, anyway there's gotta know, be an I, app that just is all kiss facts. um there should be maybe you look i, I should mention to that to those guys maybe yeah. they'll or do maybe that you you do it. Yeah, I do it. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I just don't have the energy with all that. But anyway, we didn't do the videos. And, and I know they did show some guys, and it was the rest of the band. And, 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 th- and yeah, there's a little disconnect there, I always felt, when they used to show that. But I know there's the old grade whistle test, which I was a part of, the, the live thing or Saturday Night Live or any of the live gigs. Eventually, actually, probably, I, I guess it's five or six years ago already, in Germany, Eagle Rock, released this concert there was a live concert that they found um it, it, the lighting's not great it's kind of dark except for it's one of those rock you know. palaces yes shows yes, yes, something like that yeah um what saturday night, being on saturday night live is pretty cool because there yes. are there are so many artists that if you look at like a list of artists who have never been on saturday night live mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy you're yes. like really this guy was never on right right but you were there and and the after party to think that i'm going to be with john belushi and gilda radner and uh, Christopher Lee was the uh, guest that night. Okay, which which I got to I got to tell you this. And story. he's still alive. Yeah, you're right. Today's you're his right. birthday. Wow. Today's, are you kidding? No, See, he's 93. Cool. So today's May 27th. He's 93 today. Yes, that's crazy. You know, it's my dad's birthday too. You, you know that, Lisa, right? Yeah. Is your dad I, still I, with us? No, I lost him uh, five years ago. We we visited the cemetery on Memorial Day. It always comes around mm-hmm. around that time, but. Uh, he, it's his birthday, and actually, he passed away the day after. So tomorrow wow. is actually when we technically lost him. But oh, he lived a, a very full, uh, made it to ninety-one, which is a miracle. That's pretty you know? great. Yeah, it's a great life. That was. Know? I was actually going to ask you, uh, since you and Bob are both in the music business, were your parents supportive of that? Because absolutely, that's great. Yeah. See, that's, let me tell my Christopher Lee story yes, before we move please on. Please do. 
So it was very simple, and I didn't even get it, and I'm standing there getting ready to play, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, meet Loaf. You, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and he did it like with that British, you know, thing. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, huh? Oh, right. Uh, Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. I get, it. I get it. I get it. I get it. My parents, uh, you know, ironically, um, both of them had some talent. My mother claimed to have sung and my dad, uh, you know, I have a trumpet in the house. I, I, I never heard him really play it, but in cool sheet music from the uh-huh. past, you know. But um, they were supportive, and, and that's there great. were other family members, too, that had talent. And I think that's probably why they weren't the typical, uh, oh, if you don't you know, become a doctor or you're not a, you know, whatever, yeah. or you, you, you know, you're nothing. You know, they were never that way. Um, and and they, they instilled, certainly, my dad especially, having such an um, intense kind of, he took his job very seriously. At home, he just was like, whatever. My mother would just yell at him, you know. And, but but at, at the job, which was quality control engineering for the government, okay? So that meant when someone was creating something with a contract for the, for the government, um, if he didn't sign off on it, that research and development company didn't get paid. Oh, wow. So he instilled a very strong uh, kind of like quality control in me, you know. So I'm very, I am very meticulous. I, 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 if I go to a restaurant and they can't sell, spell Caesar salad right, I get very angry. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Caesar's a tricky word, you know. But, but you get what I'm saying. So, I, I, you know, he really instilled a very, you know, he was up at 5 a.m. You know, to, to drive mm-hmm. to work every morning. And I was so proud of him that one time. I, I did go out to the, one of the plants where he was for many years. And he had like 14 pens and pencils in his <laughs> you know, shirt pocket. And everybody was, was excited, you know, that, uh, you know, here's my dad. And I wasn't anybody uh, known yet you yeah. know, or anything. But I still, uh, it was kind of fun to see that. My mother played the role of the, the, the bookkeeper uh, part-time job thing, which, which meant if I didn't come home with the right change from the milk carton, okay, that she sent me for, I was in trouble. You're okay? in trouble. She knew what a court was, okay? And to this day, let's put it this way. We took it to a nice Chinese restaurant on Monday after we, we went to the cemetery. You, know, you don't want to tell her what, what, what lunch was, you know, how much it cost, you know what I mean? Because if it's too much, she's like, that. Yeah, we shouldn't That would have put here. her over, right? Yeah, exactly. It would be no fun exactly. for her if exactly. it was too expensive. But God bless them, they were supportive completely. You guys are originally from New York. Yes, and how long, uh, so your mom lives in California now? Yeah. Yeah. I moved them both out actually back, uh, in 2000 cause mm-hmm. it just was getting to that point where they were getting a bit, uh, things were starting to happen <laughs> and, 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 and when the, there's no the, suns around. And the cold weather's not good for, no, for no. your body when you get a certain age either. They, they, they really, um, it was really funny cause in the beginning, they, you know, when they get older, they don't come with a, uh, instruction manual, I like to say, <laughs> meaning, well, how do you help them? You know, and, and, you know, you find an assisted living place would yeah. be the best thing instead of, you know, I didn't want them, you know, in a home or I didn't want to live in the home with them. I did that, I, yeah. you know, but we found them a great place first in Camarillo. Then they moved to Encino. Then they were in Studio City. And uh, now my mother's at a wonderful place, the Jewish Home for the Aging, which is <laughs> she yelled at me, even though I was petrified when I got her on the list there. Because I wasn't sure if she'd want to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And meanwhile, she was yelling, oh, your father would have loved this place. You know, <laughs> why didn't you put us here from the beginning? You know what I mean? You, yeah. n- you never so win. Now you're, now you're in trouble for not well, putting yeah, there. Yeah, but, but no, she loves me dearly. And she loves, of course, Lisa very, very much. And we make a, a point of uh, being a, a very active part in her mm-hmm. life. And, and, and it's remarkable to see her at almost 91. Wow. She, doesn't, she doesn't miss a beat, you know, when it talks about like, okay, and I, could you pick me up this? And can you go to the 99 cent store? That's like <laughs> purgatory for me, but I go, you, you, you know. You just need to get remarkable. a 99 cent store bag. 
that you just you can go we anywhere. Have, we have one of those, and then you just bring yeah, it. Yeah. As long as you bring it in that bag, she'll think you're it's fine. You know, you got a point there. Um, Can't tell you, her I played retail. I know that. No, Can't tell her. You said you didn't have kids, but kind of as your parents get yes. older and you got to take care of them, yeah, you kind much. of have a you know couple. Yeah, of, between you know my dog, who is certainly my son and best friend. Uh, and and my parents, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's been a lot to care for. And now, of course, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm I, you know, as much as um, she can be a, a bit of a, a, a wild ride, uh, I, I, I still I'm so used to it and I welcome it. You know, I do love seeing her um, kind of flourish even at this age. And she's pretty hip to it. You know, uh-huh. she, she called right before I was leaving to come here because I'm not that far from you. And it was just like, was I supposed to call? Were you going to call before your interview or after the interview? <laughs> because she wanted to take a shower and she didn't want to miss my call. Right. Because that means everything to her, you know. Did uh, At 91 years old, how, when was the last time she was able to get out and see you play live? Oh, that has been a while. Has but, been a while. but there's so many things like I always now with, you know, like an iPad and, and all that. I could show That's her the true. photos of the tour, a video of this, look at me on stage here. And there are products still. She calls them tapes, but DVDs she's very cool with. Did you, have, did you bring a tape? You know what I mean? Oh, I had her signed up to Netflix and everything. It's really insane. That's excellent. Uh, let's get, I want to get to some music and I have been listening to, uh, this is the band I've been listening to all week because I was, I was, I knew the name, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really familiar with the music. So I did, so I I do my, I do my homework. Uh, so I look up on YouTube and I see this, I see blackjack. Right. And, um, and let's play, let's play the song that I saw on YouTube. Let's play, uh, love me tonight. Let's hear a little bit of this. from 1979 mm-hmm. that guy on vocals yes uh, well let's talk about the rest of the band won't say, <laughs> uh, we'll say that we got uh, Jimmy Haslip am yes. I saying that right on bass yes. Sandy Gennaro on Gennaro. drums yep and that vocalist mm-hmm. is Michael Bolton right but his name isn't Bolton at that time right right how did you say how was it it was B-O-L-O-T-I-N right below 10 below 10 yeah that's not good. It's good that you change right, it. Right. That almost sounds like blow. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little weird. It is a weird name. But um, how did you? Now this is before. This is Michael Bolton before everyone knows him as right. Michael Bolton. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you kind of have a long a kind of a long history with him after mm-hmm. this blackjack. So how did this? Uh, how did you meet this guy? And how did you guys hook up? This. Well, you know, he's from Connecticut, and okay. I believe he still lives in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, not that long ago, we actually reconnected in a nice way. We were able to have a, a long dinner and hang and chat, and we've spoken many times since then. So it's kind of really funny that you, mm-hmm. you brought him up, uh, although I've always been aware of what he's been doing mm-hmm. and, and him you know, about me. And In fact, I know many times the casinos that I'll perform with Grand Funk, I'll see, I'll see the Michael Bolton poster. Yeah. You know, he, he would have performed there, too. Um, but 
Michael was known in Connecticut, uh, the New Haven area. And uh, my brother being this New York guy that knew a lot of people, I remember uh, Bob turned me on to working with him. And probably there were some even early gigs where we both backed him and then sometimes just me. Okay. So he would do a set of some covers and some of his original stuff like that. Um, People believed in Michael very early on. And I know there was uh, um, some people that... uh, Definitely latched on to him once he did this demo where he used Johnny Winters on guitar. And it was, uh, I'd call it like an American bad company-ish thing. You know, a bluesy rock singer yeah. with American, you know, but, but, but uh, you know, the, the band being just rock and roll, straight ahead rock mm-hmm. and roll. Um, where in the beginning, he did have some very serious blues albums. The very first Michael records were... Yeah, he had which, two solo albums prior to Blackjack. Yeah, yeah, that were even more blues or something looking and probably sounding. I wasn't that familiar with those because when we really started to uh, become very close and work together was to create Blackjack. Mm-hmm. So in other words, these uh, business people, one was a very powerful attorney administrator for Swan Song, which is actually Led Zeppelin's, Led Zeppelin's label, label yeah. right? Bad and Company was on yes, Swan Song. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was able to get us this um, audition. So uh, in a way, um, we found Sandy. And uh, Sandy's gone on to work with a lot of people. You know, and most recently, Pat Travers, he's always playing with. And Jimmy the- Haslip is a tremendous bass player from... Uh, Yellow Jackets. He's like one of these famous mm-hmm. fusion, fusion guys, you know, jazz guys. The uh, the picture of you guys on the back of the album cover. You guys, <laughs> you guys look cool. Yeah. You really, it was you, wild. you're rocking kind of a, a little bit oh, of a fro a and big a, fro and, and a mustache. A mustache. Yes, yes, but you guys all yeah. look. You look yeah. really cool. And I, I've, uh, I, I picked up uh, this Blackjack anthology, which mm-hmm. is the first two albums right. on one disc. Well, it's the only two albums. Yeah, it's the only two albums. <laughs> yeah. uh, Self titled right. and then Worlds right. Apart. And yep. uh, I. It's this is what's great about music. First of all, I'm angry that I didn't know about this music sure. uh, in 1979, mm-hmm. 1980. Um, but I'm so happy that I found it now because Good. it's there's so many of these bands that um, like these these, these ba- like like Billy Squires' first sure. band Piper, right? And uh, there's a band I like called Spies, mm-hmm. and there's just all these bands that right. had like a couple albums, and they just mm-hmm. for whatever reason it yep. didn't it didn't happen. take I off. Know. It didn't take off. And uh, I mean, this album was produced by Tom Dowd, right? who's worked with uh, Rod Stewart and Eddie Money, had great success with those guys. So you probably Mm -hmm. thought, look at this, we got Tom Dowds in here. Well, that that was by design, too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, simply we passed the audition. I I love that line that Lennon gives in Let It Be, right? (laughs) I hope we passed the audition. And um, next thing I know, um, Polly Door was the label, not Polly Graham. Right, Polly Door. I remember. I remember the stickers. Yeah, and Polly Door was actually kind of a, a, a... not a large label, right? Right, you know, in its beginnings, and uh, I remember the guy. Uh, it was, he had a funny name, this German guy. There is a video on YouTube of it because we did a promotional mm-hmm. video. And Eki Schnabel, okay, is the guy's yeah. name, and and there he is with these giant sunglasses, riding the back of a limon, blackjack, head on him. <laughs> They're gonna be big, you know what I mean? It was just like <laughs> so cheesy with a German accent, right. you know. And I was just like, oh my god, the pressure was unbearable because they they really. Um, they knew they had four talented guys, yeah. and, and, and we did the best we could. Um, Tom Dowd, who, um, yeah, had such a pedigree, uh, even way before that, Atlantic Records, mm-hmm. and he, he, I, I knew him from Layla with Clapton and, and, and you know, Dwayne Allman. And so I was, you know, there we are in yeah. his turf. He lived in Miami, you know, Criteria Records, and, and um, 
we actually, I, I felt in some ways, and, and I know Michael was very upset. I wasn't there when he worked with Michael, but Michael was actually very uncomfortable, you know. Um, I still saw like what he brought, but yeah. I still thought he kind of cleaned us up a little too much. In other words, in rehearsal when I would record us, I thought we sounded a bit more bombastic and little, bigger. A little dirtier you know? and yeah. a little grittier. To me, it was more like Led Zeppelin 1 and 2, and, and, and this was, uh, you know, the drums weren't big yeah. and, and things like that. But again, uh, back then, you know, being so young and, and green, there was no way I'm going to challenge, you know, the label and Tom Dowd. And Tom Dowd, and, right. And, but I remember when, when, when the mixes were done, I said, like, so this tape, this, this is what the record's going to sound like. You, you know what I mean? And again, I, I don't want to take away anyone's enthusiasm for right. it because I'm still proud of it. Because but, if it would have skyrocketed, right. you would have been like, well, right, that guy, course. they knew exactly what they were doing. Absolutely. But, but, and just like, you know, you know, some Aerosmith records that sound smaller, yeah. even some of the Kiss albums that are famous, but they don't sound that big. You yeah, know? the first three but, Kiss albums sound very like... Right, but then the live <laughs> record, you're like, oh my God, yeah, this is Kiss. You know, so I just heard us in a different way. But either way... Um, we went out there, we toured a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't do that bad. The first record sold um, over 100,000 records is what I understood. If that was today, that'd be, that'd be sweet numbers. Uh, uh, yeah, but unfortunately, they wanted a gold record. We did right. some dates with um, Bob Seger. And, uh, no, actually, back then, it was only uh, uh, Peter Frampton. And, um, and I, I forget, there might have been another artist that we did some gigs with. But either way, we got out there, you mm -hmm. know. And and the key was uh, just all right. Um, and this was pre MTV, so there was no way for people to really connect that way. Yeah, yeah. And Even you, though you guys made videos, which is which well, is why there was we made a, a couple that videos, was a promotional video. Yeah, completely different. MTV didn't happen until Michael took the eye out of the last name for his solo record, right? And that and for the Fool's Game record, which I was a part of, but I wasn't. It wasn't a band anymore. Yeah. Um, that that was the beginning of MTV. Uh, same reason why it worked so well for Kiss when they took off the makeup and it was like, okay, now they're more like a hair metal band, but, but there was a venue for people to connect to them in yeah. a new way. So we did a second record, which wasn't really looked at, which was uh, worlds apart with the, you know, that CD you mentioned happens to be like a compilation, right. which years later is what everybody does. Uh, someone, enough, someone digs it up and says, Hey, why don't we put these? Yeah. And put these out. Well, that stuff like that started to happen more once Michael, you know, won a Grammy and became, you know, famous that everyone's mother loved, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, um, but after it ended, I know I was, I just stayed a, a little bit more low key in New York. I worked with a local band called the good rats and Michael started honing his writing skills. He realized songwriting, 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 and started to, to write more, um, I, I guess blue eyed soul R and B pop songs and started to get some covers. And the next thing you know, he realized, well, he did do a little more rock on his own, but what, where he really took off was, was with sitting on top, uh, sitting on the dock yes. of the bay in, yes. in Georgia, uh, exactly. the Ray Charles song, yep. and and um, and then he's you know he started to get some hits that he wrote and working with a Diane Warren and people like that, yeah, and Desmond Child and he took and off. All yeah. And how, is he is he tall? Like how tall? How tall? Yeah, are you? yeah. I'm six three. My, Michael's probably about my height. Yeah, he's like a big yeah. he's like a big singing Fabio <laughs> is what when I see this this <laughs> guy. Funny. Um, what a voice, though, when you think about it, you know, and, and, and I do. It have almost to say, doesn't. I mean, even even though I like like I love Fool's Game. Mm -hmm. I love that song so much. And um, and then that album that everybody's crazy, which you play on that. Album, yes. That yes. album it cover stuff. When yeah. you when you see that album cover, mm -hmm. it's like almost like like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Like, oh, they, they took Michael Bolton and they made yep. him look like a heavy metal yep. dude, because then, you know, 
couple albums later and sole provider and the hunger and he doesn't look like no dude at all he, he went for a little different demographic and and, and it worked and it worked amazingly yeah. you know i know for a while he was not uh very proud of the, the rock part of him mm-hmm. you know and and was not into uh that being you know like exposed more but but he does love that and he he was real when he did it all it's mm-hmm. just uh and if you notice, if you followed his career through the years now, and I actually have, I am a fan of his. I, I mm-hmm. am. I, I jumped in with the hunger. There you go. And uh, and then and and then I was a fan for many years until we right. started to do like you know opera stuff and cover like all Frank Sinatra stuff. And then, right. then I, but of his original, yep. when he had a hand in the writing, I, I am a fan of that that part of his career. But think of that that the guy's brave enough, and and I I couldn't believe it. I remember watching him perform with Pavarotti. You know, I'm going like, yeah. oh my god. I mean. This guy's, you know, accomplishing these amazing things. And fortunately, more recently, he's had a tremendous sense of humor that's been able to kind of make him very hip again. Yeah. Because, you know, there was a time when people wanted to like, kind of pick on him for, you know, any, anytime he's successful, you're a target. But, yeah. but he had that, that, that voice that, all right, well, he's going to break the glass or something, whatever the, and the he, joke was. He seemed, like, from the outside, to me, it seemed like a guy that might not have a sense of humor. So I'm glad. Mm-hmm. It, it, what's the band, the group, the Andy Samberg? Oh, uh, the Lonely Island. Yeah, it's, it's fun that he's doing this mm-hmm. Lonely Island stuff and, and, right. and, and having a laugh yes. at that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I always found him to be incredibly funny. Oh, that's great. And, and, and I did... I was surprised, I have to say, and it's not, it's just the, the way I see it, knowing him so well back mm-hmm. then, that when he got very big and people, uh, there were times when he did come off maybe much more serious than I knew him to be. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he needed to do that just to protect himself from what was happening, you know. But I'll tell you, I wasn't surprised at all that he became so so successful because I learned a lot from working with him. I always took something from everybody, right. even, even if it was, do not do that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I want to ask about one more Blackjack song, and, and this, is, this is Wikipedia saying, telling me this. Uh, from the second album, a song called Stay, mm-hmm. it, I read that Jay-Z sampled that song. Is that true? Apparently. Yeah. So you, know, I was hoping you were going to tell me you got a gigantic uh, royalty <laughs> check from this. There's nothing to talk about. Nothing to talk about. Because no. you and Michael, you guys wrote all the songs on these Blackjack albums. Yeah, not all of them, but, but, but most of them. Most of now, them. Actually, um, there is a cover from, um, uh, it's not the same title, but there was a song on the first record that Kanye West did mm-hmm. um, that, that we're writers on, and it's called... Uh, 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 what well, was called "Power of Love" on on the record, you know, but never let me down, and it was it was kind of weird that 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 ever happened. That uh, oh, so you actually got that, credit? For yeah, credit. that that that's, well, that's all been deal. done done correctly. No, oh, good, exactly. You know, uh, well, let's. Play, I want to play. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be Michael Bolton talk for so yeah, long, but I mean, it's. Uh, it's but a you, I mean, you did. Subject. You played on. You played on his self titled album. You played on Everybody's Crazy. Mm-hmm. You do. Uh, you play on a song called Hot Love on the Hunger, and that was that's the whole way into 1987. So right. even after you were a member of Kiss, you were still dipping your toe back yeah, in there we, to help we, out. We always kept in touch. And, and what's ironic that you should know about Michael, he is an important uh, kind of link to many things, is the fact that when, when he went first solo with the name change and everything, yeah. you know, I did tour with him. And that's when we did the Seeger tour that I, that I incorrectly put into the Blackjack years. It's just I, I meld all my Bolton <laughs> stories together. You that's know? fine. We'll look it up on the, uh, on the, on the but, Kiss. But it was 83. Yeah, exactly. On KissFacts.com. <laughs> but that's when we did like um, uh, two or three weeks touring with Bob Seeger. Okay. And I remember it was kind of ironic because Michael had that, that brand new, you know, kind of his new rock thing, you mm-hmm. know. So he called on me to be, you know, the, his guitarist. 
But um, he also used to do some covers, and Seeger wasn't really happy with that. So all of a sudden, we started to do some Blackjack songs in, in that set, which made me feel yeah, great, because yeah, nice. it was almost like yeah. Blackjack doing it, instead of it being just Michael. But the other uh, very strong I- I- irony of it and the link with me is the fact that Seeger, most tours will will use Don Brewer, and, and especially very Yeah, yeah, very from consistently. who you play with, yes. Grand Funk. But that's how I'm... That's how I knew him. Mm. Okay, um, uh, at the time, his his future wife was also involved in somehow with, with Michael's camp. I think you know. And the next thing you know is they, she meets Don. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And next thing you know, becomes Don's wife, which is the lovely Sunny. So um, when Grand Funk was being re-put together back in like late '99, you know, when Mark Farner was going to go on his own, um, and I was on the short list. I know I was on the short list because of Don meeting me from the Bolton tour. You see what I'm saying? Perfect. And uh, it's funny. I've even found some old slides. Well, you must be a nice guy then out on the road, too, because if you were a (laughs) jerk, you wouldn't be getting these calls. This is true. No, I I mean, for me, you know, I I love music, so I was always very, very social with any musicians that wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, But I cared about what I did. I remember back then I used to... Uh, have my camera with me. I was really into taking pictures. You know, n- now my iPhone is okay. But, <laughs> you know, I, I had, I, I just showed it to Lisa not that long ago. I found the slide of like Don, he had a full beard, Don Brewer, you know, on stage. And I'm on stage just, you know, taking pictures of Seeger's band, you know, which is kind of weird. And now, of course, it's been 15 years with Grand Funk, you know. So That's it's crazy. So it's all, it's all connected. And then there's another important link with Michael again, where, of course, all right, you know, as, as you noticed, I stayed in touch with him, but, mm-hmm. you know, he really became, you know, a very unique, much more, you know, mother that, you know, your mother loves, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't so much rock, but he was very serious about songwriting. Okay. So he knew I was in Kiss and power ballads are important. And next thing you know, can, what do you think? Uh, why don't, can put me in touch with Paul? Let's see what can happen. And next thing I know, Paul Stanley and him write a terrific song called well, forever. We, we Let's jump so way ahead go. and you met, we're talking about it. So let's hit a little sure. bit of uh, forever, Kyle. I could lie to myself, but it's true. There's no denying when I Yeah, that's you on bass. Oh, he knows a lot. Yes. But did you also play guitar? Yeah. Also. Paul's going to hit a note here in a minute. We have the solo queued up. Yeah. Let's jump to the solo. This is you doing uh, the solo? My acoustic solo. Of course it's me doing it. Well, you know what's funny is... I be here if What's funny is when, like, uh, like uh, hold on one second. Like, uh, you play on, uh, you play on my, my favorite Billy Squire album. Oh, okay. Yeah, I Tale love Tale of the Tape. Yes. And I know that Billy plays guitar, too, so... Yes. Sometimes I didn't know if it was Bruce playing. Well, there's or, some. Yeah, we or should or talk about Billy. That. We will. We'll story, talk about yeah. it. Let's hear this solo on it forever, though, because this is amazing. So good, thank you. I uh, we're gonna we'll, we'll go back to Billy in a minute, but I have to say, um, you you were the perfect guitarist for Kiss because uh, for me because I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't into that 
I wasn't into Vinny and and Mark St. John's mm-hmm. flash and right. flying up the fretboard. I know that that's what all the bands were were mm-hmm. doing then, and so mm-hmm. Kiss. I assume they felt, well, if, we, if we're going to compete in this game now, we took the right. makeup on, we got to have a little bit of that in here. Yeah. But when, when you came in, that's when I, I felt that the music had a little more feel, especially mm-hmm. the 100% the guitar, because um, I, just, I just can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. That's, right, right, that's, right. that's nothing to me. I mean, look, in all, even though Vinnie Vincent, I refer to him most of the time as like the, the Howard Hughes of uh, the rock <laughs> yes. business. Yes. But, um, I, I, you know, I know he was a fine guitar player, yeah. but he did want to showboat a lot in Kiss. And I think one of the strengths he brought for his short time in the band was songs because he was a good mm-hmm. songwriter. So. Yeah, because, I mean, they had him back and he wrote some songs on yes, Revenge. for Revenge. So. He brought the cookies to Gene's house and they started working together <laughs> again. But, um, but, and Mark was really a reaction to them needing to not work with Vinny. So they go to a Grover Jackson uh, and say, give, give me a list of 10 hot guitars. Now, Grover used to make the Jackson guitars. Okay. You know what I mean? He knew all the metal guys on the West Coast, and, and Mark was one of those guys who was more Alan Holdsworth, if you know who that is, you know, if, like a fusion guy, yeah. than, than, than Jimmy Page, okay? If you really look at Ace Fraley and Kiss, you know, they were influenced by Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, and Jimi Hendrix and all, and you ask Ace, who are your favorite guitar players? It's going to be Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page, mm-hmm. Okay who are two of, in my top three or right. four. Okay, so we're on the same page. So I knew when they got Mark in the band, I was like, I don't, I don't get this. This doesn't feel right. Something's not right here. I didn't realize then he'd have some illness, and the next thing you know, uh, the timing was excellent because my name kept getting like, kind of fed to Paul. Of course he knew about me because of my brother, but other people started to remind Paul, and then during Animalize when they were recording, he... Just like the way my brother did it in the past as ghost guitar, mm-hmm. he all of a sudden I got the call. So there I am doing something, and then him saying, "Don't cut your hair." And the next thing you know, why is he saying that? And then about you know six weeks later, them saying, um, "Will you go to Europe with us? We need somebody to be the guitar player because we Mark is ill, and we're not sure what's going to happen." But here's two weeks, maybe six weeks, whatever. So so was Mark out on the road at the time, and it. it it was like, well, if he can't play, Bruce will. But then you ended up playing every night, right? No, you, you had a little upside. Okay. So I started in Europe because okay. Mark was still healing from from this arthritic uh, writer's syndrome, they mm-hmm. call it. Um, and then once he got better, they we were ready to start the American tour. So, you know, contractually or morally or however it happened, they did want to give him his shot. Sure. Okay. So I already had the home team advantage, there's no doubt. I mean, because they were very comfortable with me and I knew what they wanted. You know, I mean, I was doing it. Okay. We toured for six weeks in Europe, you know, so I really got used to, I mean, six weeks is a long time. You you really, you start, I'm sure you start to really mesh personally and on stage. Exactly. I started to feel, I I won't say that about the first week. I was like, the knees were shaking, you know, (laughs) but that's understandable. All of a sudden I'm in kiss, you know what I mean? And, and, and unlike a meatloaf, which is still nerve wracking because I always, I want to be great at whatever I do. Uh, when I'm, especially when I'm on stage, but I'm, I'm, that's with nine people. Here you're a featured player of yeah. a major rock band, you know, iconic rock band. So, um, yeah, I started to really fit in with the guys, and that felt good, and I would overhear, you know, you know Gene going like, nice job, you know, or, you know, <laughs> you know great vibrato, whatever. So, um, but, yeah, Mark came out. They had to test him. So this, this story, I mean, I seem to remember it where they let him do a, uh, beginning of a show, um, and then a second half of the show, and then a whole show, and then they sent them home. Okay. 
Um, no one has like any real proof of that, but that's my memory and I'm sticking with it because <laughs> I was the guy that, that only had to do half a show and then another half a show. You know what I mean? And you actually play on so, a couple songs on, on Animal House. Yeah, I did a little bit of ghost work on it. Um, one was really the song that Paul called me for. I think it was Lonely is the Hunter. Yeah. And, then, and then there was another one that he just needed some riffs at the end. So I played a little bit. Of course, uncredited, but you know, I, yeah. as you know, everybody knows everything. Everyone so, knows everything. That, now. You Let's know hear that, a little bit of Lonely is the Hunter. We KissFacts.com. Yeah, see, I knew it, so I have, it yeah. cute, I have it ready to go. I was just going to say, oh I God. bet you haven't heard it for a long no, time. No, I haven't. I thought you were starting from the beginning, but you started right <laughs> yeah, from the Yeah, we jumped solo. in the that solo. Great. Yeah. Uh, cool. yeah, that's amazing. Well, maybe that's why I got the gig. There you go. Yeah. I knew what they were looking for. I remember it was very important. Do you have a guitar with a Floyd Rose? <laughs> you know, which was that locking tremolo thing. <laughs> I have no idea what that and, means, and but that sounds then, great. It was the version one, which meant there was no fine tuners on it. It was, it was, but you had to have one. I mean, they were like $400, which back in 84, that's a lot of money yeah. as an accessory on a guitar, you know, <laughs> but I happened to had one and that worked out good because I know what they were going for, you know? Well, that, that, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know how they, you, they just didn't have you record all the guitar tracks well, right after that. Yeah. But look, Animalize it had the important hit, Heaven's on Fire. Amazing uh, song. The next thing you know, and even though that one doesn't really have a guitar solo per yeah. se, but, but still. And then, yeah, Mark did the video, so that was a little weird, but uh, there we are touring. Half of the tour books in the beginning had his picture and his hand. And then they just replaced the page with his, his you know, headshot thing, but they left his hand, you know, which was all swollen and everything. It was kind of a completely wow. different hand than mine, you know? Yeah. So uh, I always found that interesting. But, and I'm not even sure if anyone knew who was playing lead guitar, you know what I mean? Like in, in, in Europe, it was very, very immediate. In other words, there were magazines there that came out quickly so that before I even landed in England, it was announced in Krang. Playing guitar for Kiss on the tour will be, you know, and this is Bruce way, way prior to internet and everything like that, yeah. you know. But uh, you know, with with the magazines in America like Circus and and all that, Cream, it took it took quite a while. So I think when we started up in in November here in the states, I don't, you know, I don't know if they who who they thought it was. I had Kiss yeah. picks without my name on it, just. Kiss, you know, those are pretty rare. Well, it was, it was that was a weird period because like within three years there were three different guitarists. And it, was, of, yes. it was like, yeah. you know, it almost made you feel, you know, just when you're getting, you're like, oh, I love this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I didn't like right, right. those guys as much, I'm sure a lot of people did. And then, right. and then, oh, who's this guy? Oh, and then who's this guy? And oh, and then I, did you think then, and you must, that must not make you, it, it, you must think, oh, well, look, I wonder how long I'm going to be around. Well, I still knew I was very fortunate to get mm-hmm. the gig and I didn't feel that vulnerable because I knew what they just went through. Okay. I'm not. I'm, I'm, it's easy for me to put myself in other people's shoes and mm-hmm. see like how they view it. Vinny had the uh, upside of being the first guy to replace Ace and have a makeup character, his own, actually. Yep. 
and then of course be unmasked. Okay, so in in a very <laughs> short period of time, he got both of those things happening. But then of course, you know, didn't didn't play ball with them and bye bye Vinny. And then Mark, of course, they had to make a big like, and our new guitarist is. You know, and then like Paul has referred to him, well, oh, he was the Pope that died, you know, which which I, you know, I get it because the, it was such a short period. Um, so they couldn't make a big hoopla about me at all. Hoopla is a real word, right? Yeah, that's a word. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't want to yeah. they didn't want to tout an, let yet another guy. And then, exactly. you know, God forbid something happened exactly. to you or you went somewhere or you left on your own accord, whatever. Uh, it was fine with me. I mean, I, I, the magazine's caught up by Asylum, obviously, of course, because right now we were just going out supporting a platinum record, which was great. So there I was, you know, part of Kiss. And, yeah. uh, I can't, I can't, there was no complaints. And, but I was aware of that. I knew that I'm not going to get that big and our new guitarist is, you know, so a little less pressure, I guess. This is going to be weird to jump back to Bill sure. Squire, but no, then we're going to come it. right back yeah. and kiss. But this album, uh, Tale of the Tape. It's uh, Billy's first solo album after, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, Piper, Piper disbanded. Yes. And uh, this was also produced by Eddie Offord. Offord. Offord, who That's produced... That's the guy from Yes. Yeah, and he yeah. produced the... He did that second, second Blackjack Black album. Yes. But he, the song I have queued up is, uh, is Rich Kid, so let's hear mm-hmm. I got I got into Billy Squire with yeah. with Don't Say No sure. and then I and then I moved forward and you know when I collected albums back mm-hmm. in the day you know I would always see Tale of the Tape yes uh, the American version had him like on the on the ground with all the tape around yeah him. the tape reels and yeah. I was I was just like oh, that's just I, know, I didn't like I that cover for some right. reason it just looked I don't know I just didn't I'm like but then when I when I finally mm-hmm. picked this thing up right whole. I, Man, do I love yeah. it. I love it start to finish. I recently bought a copy on Amazon because I didn't realize that about, I, I'm not sure how many years ago, not that long ago. Yeah, Rock was, Candy Records yeah, re- there reissued was, it. There was a reissue with some yeah. demos and stuff, and it was remastered, so I yeah. wanted to hear it. And um, and that's what the, the song we just heard comes yeah, from, that version. Yeah, I mean, the big beat um, is is also known from that record. Calio is a tremendous song. I was just listening to it just a few days ago. Who's Your Boyfriend? Yes. And just I, uh, I knew that Billy had something really special. I was very fortunate. It was also a little connection to my brother because he worked on demos with Billy with a pretty famous uh, drummer, uh, session drummer, Andy Newmark in uh, New York. And then they, neither one of them were available when, you know, uh, Billy was ready to record. Okay. He, he seeked out someone like uh, Eddie Offord, who uh, had a, a nice pedigree from all those Yes records. And um, somehow I was up in Woodstock working on stuff, so uh, some album projects. And the next thing I know, he said, well, uh, Bruce, why don't you play the guitar, okay? And you now, play on the entire album. Well, I play rhythm on pretty much the entire record. Solo-wise, it's probably only like three songs, 
But the irony, uh, and it may be less, but the irony is this, okay? Blackjack was going to do some other things because this was still in, in the year where Michael and I were together. And um, there were some commitments about rehearsing and doing some things. So I had to leave Woodstock and go back to the city. And um, that's all that you just heard. Most of that was probably from the uh, basic track. In other words, when we were cutting. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't have to do too much. There was a switch on my BC Rich for a boost. With the, you know, these BC Rich Eagles from the 70s, late 70s had that on it. Boom, there I go. It was like stepping on the pedal. Here I am, lead solo. Um, and, but there were some other songs where I had some great ideas. They weren't really perfected. And Billy, I, it was a big... I was actually angry, but I was flattered at the same time. Okay, So when I couldn't return so quickly on his schedule yeah. because of my commitment to Michael Bolton and Blackjack, which I was, you know, that was my band too, um, he just redid those solos and took what I played and just perfected them, and he played them because he is a good guitarist. You know? So I remember on the songs that I, it, I, I, I knew right away which ones were Billy, and I was just like, that was... I, I did that those riffs, you know. What I mean? But but it was kind of kind of very flattering. Like but I rich said. kid, that yeah. was that yeah, was that's, definitely that's, you. that's me. Yeah, I thought it was. See, I was like, yeah. And I love that uh, solo at the end of. Uh, it's not really a solo, but at the end of big beat, there's a, there's this like uh, it starts to like kind of groove differently, mm-hmm. and the guitar starts moving around. But there's a couple other songs where the answer riffs and all were what I played, but I still get off on just, it was left and right, Billy and I, you know what I mean? I could still hear that BC Rich, sadly I sold it, but years ago, many years ago, but I still, you know, I'm very proud of that record. I'm glad, I'm glad you got hit to it. Yeah, I I recommend, I highly recommend that anyone listening, if you've never heard Tale of the Tape, go get that. I also, this, uh, this might not be a true story, but I read this somewhere, heard this somewhere, that Billy's deal with, with Capital wasn't, that great Mm -hmm. so he said well can i own my masters and they said yeah you can own your masters." you know yeah there's this yeah nothing's gonna happen with that and so billy i think does okay oh yeah because he owns all the masters well he wrote you know all the songs and he had his own publishing which was um songs of the night or something it's called and and why do i know that stupid stuff well there you go you do your research But that's that was pretty unique back then, actually. So I really, um, yeah, he did very well. He had a lovely place on Central Park West. You know what I mean? When I when I remember years later seeing him uh, during my Kiss years. But there is a funny uh, other connection that without Billy and Michael Bolton or my commitment to Blackjack, I wouldn't have been in Kiss. And it, but it's it's a reversal story actually, in the sense that so there I am um, working, you know, on Billy's record. Then Blackjack gets the call. All right, we're going to gear up. We're going to tour to support the second record, which was Worlds Apart, right. which actually didn't get the right push, and we never got the tour support, and I didn't go anywhere. Okay, And Billy was like, you going on tour with me or what? Okay, this is to support Taylor the Tape, actually. And I said, no, I can't. You, you get what I'm saying? Because yeah. I thought we were going to tour. You thought you were banned. Right. And we never toured. He goes off. All right. He doesn't do anything big from Tale of the Tape, as, every, as you know. But then. Then he goes into the studio, does the next record, and he becomes a, a megastar. And I'm watching him be a megastar, and I'm like, I was supposed to be in his band. <laughs> he wanted me, but I said no to be loyal to the band that we broke up after, you know, so in other words, Blackjack didn't exist. But you did make the right choice though, because Blackjack yes. was your thing. You weren't yes. supporting, you weren't supporting Michael Bolton. Right. That was your right. band. I had you know, songs guys. that I wrote and I was, a, yeah. I was a part of the band. 
Um, and I think, I think that was the, the weird way the universe made it work, you know, for me, because you do know that if I was busy with Billy, with his success and out on the road, getting the call for kiss no. probably couldn't have happened. No. So it was, it was meant to be that way. And if you did get the call from kiss, you probably wouldn't have gone cause you would have <laughs> probably doing a, some great stuff with Squire. It, exactly. So, um, there I go. And, and, and I really just did that out of my own respect for what, like, like you said, well, Blackjack is your band. You got to be loyal to that. Yeah. And I didn't bail on something like that. So I, uh, thankfully I made a, you know, there's times when you, uh, something happens in your career that you don't know why, oh damn, if I would have done that, then I would have been there. But you don't know what other opportunity could, could arise by you not taking that road, you know, and you, you just don't know in life. You know, it's very hard to know. Well, let's jump now into the first official uh, Bruce Kulick album with Kiss, which is Asylum. Right. This is always a, a weird period for me because uh, I don't think Kiss knew w- what their image was supposed to be at this point. <laughs> like the Asylum album cover, yep. I remember when that came out, I picked that and I was yeah. like, oh, what's like, yeah, yeah, with yeah. all these different colors. And Who, you, who's painting here? <laughs> I know. Like your lips, your lips are blue on yeah, here yeah, and Eric's yeah, yeah, are yeah. green. I mean, I'm like... Well, this that is would, that would, this look, is an interesting album cover. I, I mean, again, I I thought it was a little odd because it didn't have that kind of edgy rock thing. No, to it, it doesn't scream rock right, and roll. But right. I do, and I like you know, it's got the the logo obviously, yes. and I like the font for Asylum. Right. But then, and it, and the title Asylum mm-hmm. doesn't right. Read, it doesn't I mean, it doesn't blend with the day glow colors. Yeah, I mean, if you guys were in this, I know stupid, but right. if you guys were in straight jackets or sure, something, sure, or sure, it, sure. you would have been like, yeah, Asylum. But this doesn't. Yeah. I, I know. I understand. I mean, look, you know, I mean, Paul was very, um, you know, he grew up, he had a great education mm-hmm. and he went to uh, arts and there's a special school in New York for like, uh, I forget, do you remember if it's called like arts and science? It's it's one of the really good, you know, specialty high schools. And I know he was always very creative in, in, in lots of ways. And, I, and that was his vision. You got to remember fashion was getting a bit wild and different then too yeah and and then the clothing look what happened with our outfits for that i know right. it's 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 like it did fit those day glow colors not that i like it really seemed that it, scream it, rock. it was okay you know because paul was the star child so if when he if, when he has flamboyant colors right. and stuff on it like worked for him yeah I, I kind of felt bad like i don't know if it worked for the other three guys in that right. band it was very hard especially for gene coming from the demon you know alive too you see him like godzilla blood yeah, coming out blood of him, and, and, and then so all of creepy. a sudden he's like kind of lost you know yeah. what i mean he knows that um but that was the you see that was the 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 advantage that paul would have being a um as you said flamboyant uh in a hair metal the kid, era. The characters you know the yeah. star child's flamboyant right i mean it's not poison where everyone's making wearing makeup like right. that but it's leaning towards ozzy even was dressed up ozzy had his hair moosed up and yep. had he had his spangles yep. on his microphone it looked ridiculous it was a really weird time in rock and roll it just was because because these bands you like ozzy and kiss you guys weren't you guys they'd been around a long time but i mean you guys they weren't in their 50s at that point no but they still kind of felt like we got to play ball with Right. With Poison and Warrant and Cinderella, we get yep. a kind of... I mean, if you think about it, this is David Lee Roth, too, solo around then, 85, yeah. and he was flamboyant, too. Absolutely. Okay. So it was just, you know, when you got Steve I with the monkey grip day glow guitars. <laughs> right. You know, so you can't... It, does, it, does it match Asylum? No. It was it indicative of that era. 
Yes, right or wrong, you know, good or bad, okay? And I remember even back then feeling like, like I think we might get flack for this, even though it's creative, it's mm-hmm. colorful, okay? Yeah. And we have strong faces. I like that my, my you can't see my dimple now because of my goatee, but, you know, it was, was prevalent because that was the first album cover. That's, there I am, that's Bruce, right? Yeah. Before that, it was yep. like, uh, all right, I did gigs and photo shoots, but not on product you can hold. And, and as you can imagine, through all these years and all these events that I go to the, from expos to autograph shows to whatever, how many asylum records I've signed, you know? <laughs> well, I, it's a good one to get signed. It's yeah, nice yeah. and bright. Yeah, exactly. But look, the, but for me, you know, regardless of image, uh, and we've been chatting about that, but f- for my debut, true debut for Kiss musically, you know, to have songs like, especially Tears Are Falling, yep. uh, Who Wants to Be Lonely. You have three songwriting, the, the, you get three songwriting I, I credits on this songs album. songs on there, you know. You I did was, King, King of the Mountain. Yep. And Trial by Fire and mm-hmm. I'm Alive. Right. And, and Desmond Child's involved in a couple yes. of those too. So you got to work with that guy. So all that, um, I was headed in the right direction for my history, shall I say. <laughs> you know? Let's hear I Love King of the Mountain and you co-wrote this. Cool, yes. And this was the, uh, this opens the album and this is a great tune. Okay, we're taking it right from the beginning. This is almost, this is, this is basically, this is Eric Carr and yes. you. Yes. Just back and forth for a while. That's a great yep. way to open an album. Yes. Eric Carr sounds like he hits his drums so fucking hard. Yes, yes. Um, that record really showcased a lot of his uh, abilities. So did, of course, Creatures of the Night. Yes. Yeah. More, more so than The Elder, obviously. Yes. You know? So yep. um, I'm really glad that there's, there's lots of good you know, testaments to Eric's talent on, through those Kiss years that he was there. And then, like you said, yeah, uh, I have Tears Are Fallen queued up, too. Let's hear a little bit of Tears Are Fallen. Because this is a gigantic hit. Yeah. And here comes uh, Bruce's solo. Uh, this video is in heavy yeah. rotation on MTV. Yeah, that was good. I mean, yeah, it's all it's. Did it's, not get wet in this one? Uh, yeah, I think there's. <laughs> yeah, there, is there fire in this one, or is that another one? Oh, there's, there's, there's one where Paul jumps through a ring of fire. I'm yeah, not sure if it's. I get them all confused. I'm terrible <laughs> with that. How was um? 
uh, are you how are you embraced it with? Are you in the band at this point? Are you do you feel comfortable? I felt much more a part of everything, and I was still really learning my my role. Mm-hmm. And and uh, every band has its pecking order, and I wasn't going to try to be top dog with with Gene and Paul, and, right? And which and, would be difficult mm-hmm. even if you were there for twenty years. Probably. Of course, it would be inappropriate too because they certainly understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love that that it, the era was good. The um, uh, the songs were strong. They did showcase me. The videos were colorful and entertaining and, and popular. It was a good time, yes. Uh, yeah, what were some of the uh, All Night is on there? And, uh-huh. um, now, and you, wrote with, uh, you wrote a song. You wrote songs with Gene. You wrote songs with Paul. What's the difference? How, who's easier to work <laughs> with? It, it, you know, it was always a, a challenge because um, you realize um, that you kind of get one shot. So let's say I have a, a riff that I think is is gene oriented right now how does it work gene's writing a song mm-hmm. and does he say hey bruce what do you got or do you do you bring an idea and say hey, it, I it got was more song. like you trying to entice them into something that you have okay. okay than them saying even though it has worked that way too that he's got a song and i realized there's no bridge in this song how about we go here in this section and he likes it and then i'm a co-writer yeah. okay and again i'm talking like i'm talking in this manner now because it's it's so early on uh, with your association with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that was a learning curve for yeah. me. That Well, how do I get creative with them? What do I do? You know, but for me, any anything that I had, um, I would use my own instinct to say, like, this is more of a gene thing. I should play it for gene. Because the, the just the sad part, um, but but this is probably true in a lot of bands, was it, if, if one passed on it, it was very difficult to, for that to ever get a chance to be passed to the other It person. was done. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I tried to be very careful with, like, this is more what I think Paul writes like, so <laughs> this would be better. Now, there are times it was just like, what's right? So, you know, in other words, there was no pre-planned, uh, like, I got a riff for you. You know what I mean? So, but, you know, I tell you, if I, if I looked at every co-write, there's a little story behind everyone, and, and some were as innocent as, like, let's just write, and we come up with it. And some were like, I had an idea for something, and I presented it. You know, there, there really wasn't a rule. I was just obviously grateful any time it started to click and, and happened. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, having songwriting credits is, yes, that's, that's a good deal. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so then the next, uh, the next album comes out and here's, I want to ask this, um, Asylum was co-produced by Gene and Paul. Mm-hmm. So then the next album, they, they bring in Ron Nevison. Right. What's that dynamic? Like how, how do Gene and Paul totally just, you know, hand hands off and it's, did they totally give the producing, uh, control to Ron Nevison? And, no. Um, I mean, I mean, it's still their band. I know they still have say, but I mean, like most, you know, uh, creative people that are wise to like, if, if I'm going to bring in a guy with a resume at the time, Ron was very instrumental in some of Ozzy's big hits during that era and, and art in the classic and, UFO albums yeah. with Shanker. Exactly. And I mean, forgetting like his past, he seemed to uh, have a niche for some hit songs at a certain time. Yeah, That there. was when the big eighties production was yes. coming in. Yeah. He did the two big heart comeback right. albums. See what I mean? So yes. That's what, they went for okay. No, so, is that the label wants them to go for that? No, no. I really, I do, want, they, I, they want to go for. It? I did feel that especially Paul was comfortable with Ron Gene, not so much. Okay, okay. I was grateful for a producer because, um, well, you know, like most of those you know big records that he was involved with, if the lead guitar starts, you know, the lead guitar starts. Okay, right. it becomes an important voice, and um, and this way, um, uh, I there wasn't uh, that. 
that thing that sometimes happens when it's the two leaders of the band that sometimes there's, there's compromises between the two. An independent producer is going to view the work differently because he, does, he right. doesn't have to be attached to one or the other. Ironically enough, depending on the producer, one of those guys would be a little closer with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it sounds and like Paul case, was, it was closer. It was Paul was very close. And I remember Gene being petrified that in some ways Ron would do something like a little sample on the snare drum to, to blend in with Eric Carr's drum, which he probably never did before, you know, mm-hmm. and felt like, well, you know, and Paul's thinking, well, that's, that's the method to get on the radio. And, yeah. and Gene's probably thinking, wait a minute, we don't do that. Or we haven't done that before. You get what I'm saying? So and there was a lot a, of that. And this is a Paul heavy album. There's seven of yeah. the 11 songs. I have a, a cassette at home. I remember showing a picture, I think, of the, the, the track listing when I did my rewind on my QLick.net site of, uh, uh, you know, Crazy Nights where there were nine songs by Paul. And wow. as far as Paul was concerned, that was the record. That was it. You know what I mean? It's even like though a Paul I, solo album. Even though I knew it, it's not going to really go down like that. But Paul was really driven, very... I remember Gene always had a lot of distractions with Hollywood mm-hmm. and, 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 and all these scripts and crazy... Hollywood things that he jumped right into. Ironically, his biz- biggest success really was his show about his family, which was yet years to, years come, to come. Okay, yeah. but um, that's that. That was his. We'll call that maybe his distraction, so that that Paul was really flourishing during these. Yeah, times. Paul was always headlong in. Yes, music. he had he had nothing else distracting him. Like I, that. I I I, uh, I read Paul's book. I've read all their books. Mm-hmm. Paul's mm-hmm. is by far the best because he. I feel like he tells it really tells it like it is, mm-hmm. but isn't. It was it was inspirational too. It, it was sure. it was like you know you know. Peter, well, his life was always a struggle. Yeah, you know. To, so to see the success that he's you know you know created for himself, yeah. it it is inspirational. It's great to take like the four books and read about the same incident from each of their. Yes. Point. but I believe Paul's just sounds rings so true to me. It, 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 and and probably so. You know. Yeah. But and, do you know the word mensch? What it means. Um, it's a Jewish word, and it is. Uh, I don't know exactly what mensch means. You're killing me, and you live here in LA. I too. know. My wife's my wife's Jewish. Oh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna really have to spank you for that. Uh, I'll have her spank you too. Well, because Paul, you know, uh, describes me as a mensch in, in the book, and I it's remember a good thing. When the book came out, yes, it is. It, it really means like a stand up guy, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, if if your son's a mensch in the Jewish thing, you know, it's something he's to be good, proud he's of. A he, he, he's a good guy. If you Google it, it's 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 really nice. I remember the first time when the book was coming out, Paul was going to be at the same. It was a real treat for the fans. He was going to be at that kiss in the expo okay so i was polling a few people you know uh, uh, you know paul talks about me being a man you know <laughs> and and i knew in indiana i'd probably run into a little bit like i'm not sure it might be like a not a nice guy i don't know what does it mean <laughs> you know what i mean so i was so upset i made i made a point of it that that at, at, at the at the, you know because paul did bring me up when he did his greet the crowd and uh I told him you had to use a Yiddish word that, that that a lot of them don't know. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but not that I ever think that um, I didn't really believe that the fans thought that he was you know putting me down. But you know it's such a, a good compliment that I that uh, you know. Uh, but now you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and you 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 do seem like a mensch to me. Thank you, thank you. Um, I also like in Paul's book. This has nothing to do with you, but how when they when they get back together mm-hmm. and Ace and Peter. Uh, think that it should be a four-way split, and mm. Paul. And Paul in the book, Paul says, right. "Why should I give you guys equal to what I've done? I've kept this band alive exactly. for." And when I read that, like, 
I whenever I would hear like, yeah, why isn't a four way split? That seems mm-hmm. fair. But when mm-hmm. he put it like that, sure, I was sure. like, hey, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, that's, he, that's he, right. They kept it going. They yes, kept it kept the uh, name big, and 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 you know, hence why even my twelve years, which do, doesn't always have a, a you know a real spotlight on, because the makeup thing is just such an iconic thing. But all the golden, you know, platinum records through my era as well that were going on without, and and I didn't have to be the spaceman. All right, you, you know what I mean. We didn't. Yeah, did we use songs from their era? Of course. But yeah, we still had new product and new albums. Yeah, and, always and we continued on. And uh, and you're right. So all of a sudden, it's the time for the makeup, the reunion. You know, because. You know, you know, like Star Wars, I always I kind of make an analogy. You know, that went away for a long time, and then all of a sudden it had to come back. Yep. You know, and even if it was a little critical with you know Jar Jar Binks and you know <laughs> you know different weird things, but the but you know the franchise is is something formidable. Okay, so it was the right time for that to come back in the same way that Kiss with makeup was. But yeah, Paul's right. He here's, was absolutely right. Here's a question that all, this is: if if someone said you have one question to ask Bruce, what would it be? And my question is. Why aren't you in Kiss right now with the makeup? Right. I mean, Ace and Peter, that mm-hmm. ran its course for whatever right. reason. Eric comes back. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Bruce come back? I mean, as a paragraph nothing against, that goes nothing to Nothing against Tommy. No, 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 of course, of course. But you got to remember that uh, in the same way that Eric got the gig, where suddenly it was where Peter, they started to, maybe contracts were up. I don't know all the particulars of yeah. his deal. But the next thing you know, uh, you know, Eric's, uh, you know, lawyer gets a phone call. Eric Singer. Is, yeah, Eric Singer's lawyer. You know, is, is Eric available to go to Japan with us? You know, it was like that. Okay. That, that, fat. you think Eric was expecting that phone call? No. <laughs> no. Okay, no. Um, but when it came to Happy to get Ace, it. You, well, of course, you know, <laughs> a little surprised, but he yeah. fit right in Peter's outfit too. Mm-hmm. And and Eric's a total professional. You know, he knows what to do if they told him, "Look, not not the double bass drum version of Kiss. Let's do let's just do it. You know, a little more vintage style." He knows what that is, and he can do it great. Um, but the Ace, you know, situation was much more complicated. You got to remember that Ace um, was getting more problematic towards when he was not there anymore. Yeah. Um, Almost didn't make some shows. Tommy being someone involved in the Kiss Camp for many years, actually. He co-wrote Betrayed. You know, he worked with those guys. Very unfair to ever describe him as someone that was just like a, a road crew guy. Right, he was a guitar like player in Black and yes. Blue. I mean, Platinum he, he, record, he, was, you know? a, he wasn't a, exactly. just a guitar tech. At the time, whatever. he was one of those few that Kiss led into the in their world, okay? In the family. Put together, you know... Um, you know um, there was that history book. Mm-hmm. He was involved with helping Gene. Knew the band, loved the band. Was in a tribute band at one time that was getting booked. Cold Gin, I think. Yes, it was Cold Gin, exactly. Pretty sure I saw and, them in and, Chicago. Right, they and were he, amazing. And he was the ace, right? So there he is working for the band, touring with the band, and then I'm also realizing, uh, you know, if Ace is a problem, um, you know, you got to suit up. One time when Ace didn't catch the plane and he had a helicopter in or something. He was ready to go if, if they had to. Now, they didn't choose Tommy to work for them just for that. Right. It's almost like an understudy for a Broadway play, you know. But It just happened that way. Yes, but clearly, the more dysfunctional it got with Ace, the more uh, risky it got with him, the more it started that that meter of what do we do started leaning straight to Tommy, and then, and then the inevitable happened. Three not high-profile things, but some things that they were committed to do happened. Ace didn't show. Okay, Tommy suit up. 
it, it was because I was nervous. I was very happy with Grand Funk. I was busy. Uh, I didn't know how I would feel if they would approach me and say, well, forget, you know, it's one thing for Eric after five years of, of, of being in Kiss. Yeah. Not that long of a history, not that many records. And he's behind the drum kit to, to, be, to suddenly become the cat, you know. Um, but certainly for me, with all the era where, you know, and the leads, if, if the, the marching orders for me to be in the band would be, now you got to play exactly like Ace and wear his makeup and, and, and do all the gimmicks that, that were Ace's. That that really would have been. Now I'm not. I'm not. I'm a businessman too, so I'm not going to tell you that. So you're not saying never that you, could have you, happened. Yeah, you're not you saying know. you wouldn't have done it. It just for the circumstances weren't that you you didn't get you never got that call, so you never right. had to make make that decision. Right. And you didn't not get that call because they didn't like you anymore or because they didn't want exactly. you anymore. It's just that this guy was here right. and ready to go and ready to go and could do exactly what they needed mm. without a reversal or a kind of redo for me i get asked the question a lot and it's not a simple answer so and in conclusion look i miss being in kiss but yeah i have no regrets about uh and and that's a big miss because you, the, you know i know that music and i and i and i do get along with those guys and i know what they do so i i know how to do that but at the cost of becoming the spaceman forget it well let's not call it ace just being the spaceman, spaceman yeah that that would have really pissed all over my twelve years of of being me, you know, That's being true. Bruce and and doing that kind of guitar work and that kind of persona, because I don't think I could, uh, you know, like kind of mimic that as easily as Tommy. Yeah, did. because Tommy wasn't in the band without makeup. Exactly, he just stepped right in as right. spaceman and a talented guy and does and, a great and, job and knows how to work with those guys. So he had all those important ingredients. Is he going to cause any trouble? No. Does he understand us? Better than most. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we were all equal on those levels, being professional and, and understanding being in KISS. But I had that history. He had already there. He's there. And, 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 and you know, like I said, um, you know, I miss the guys, but I, I wouldn't have been that comfortable as uh, the spaceman after what, what my, you know, era represented mm-hmm. to me. So I kept it pure for my fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I think that's a, that's a terrific answer, and yep. it's an answer that makes sense. It's the truth. There's no sour grapes yeah. in that answer? No. no. Uh, here's, a, here's a question I have for you, too. On um, uh, compilation smashes, thrashes, and hits, mm-hmm. you guys re-record Beth with Eric Carr on vocals. Right. Now, what was the reason for that? Was that, was that a FU to Peter? Were you guys, were they thinking about starting to play Beth again in the live set, and so they wanted Eric to sing it. Because well, uh, that, that was like right. really weird to me. I'm yes. like, oh, look at this. And I don't think that actually even the track was re-recorded. I think it was just like, Eric, just you're going to go sing yeah. that. And, and you know, I, I, I don't want to say something I'm not 100% certain okay. of because I also found it odd. Eric wasn't thrilled about being asked to do it. But also, you know, he, he had a job in Kiss, so he knew to, uh, to, to go sing the song. You right. know what I mean? But I think there was a lot of um, backstory regarding things with Peter's rights to that song mm. once he was officially not in the band. And and I guess maybe you can use the song, well, if Peter's not on it. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. I, I, it's Some it, legal mumbo-jumbo thing. And, and if it was any sort of, like, you know, F you towards Peter, you know, I don't know. You know, I wasn't part of that agenda to okay. even understand it that well. So I, I know Eric Carr had, a, had very mixed feelings about it. 
but he did a fine job on it. Yeah, yeah, he's, his vocals are fine on that. But if if it was as simple as, let's just say, and I don't know this 100%, that technically they couldn't use that song on a compilation, mm-hmm. well, that was a good way around it. Yeah, Because true. that was supposed to be the compilation. And, and by the it, way, it's double platinum. It's, it's, it was a big, it was a big <laughs> it was. record. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's kind of unique because the drummer, the drummer yes. can sing. So yes. And, and Eric, sing. Eric Carr had, had, had a great voice, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Do you... Um, what can you tell us? Is there anything you can tell us that maybe you've never said, told anyone about uh, w- w- what kind of a guy Eric Carr was? Well, a we mensch? All, yeah, <laughs> very much so. A, well, actually, it, I, I think a mensch is more for the Jewish people. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. <laughs> but Eric, Eric, A, first of all, he was super talented. I mean, not only as a drummer and a singer and he could write songs. Did you know he had a co-write on a Brian Adams album? Yes, I, yes, I do, yeah. on the Cuts Like a Knife album. Yes, and yes. Uh, I just saw Brian Adams on Friday yeah. night. And uh, yeah, I, was, I remember, because I was always a read mm-hmm. the liner notes guy, and I'm like, right. What? And then you're like, is that the same? Could that be? That's got to be the same Eric Carr. How yes, many Eric yes. Carr's can it, there be? It, it, so, yeah. it is him. And, Pretty cool. And, well, look, think of Brian Adams co-writing War Machine. How odd is I that? I know uh, that is uh, that is you insane. Know. But but Eric was very funny. He was uh, extremely kind to the fans. He was wonderful in that way. He would always go out of his way to uh, to just be you know um, there for them. He he used to write them back and he'd greet them in the lobby and and it didn't matter if it was you know below zero outside in Scandinavia. There he is, you know, talking to fans. He was he was he was that kind of a person. Wonderful. Um, anytime I've um, met a, a member of Kiss. That is absolutely a fan-friendly band. For the most part, the I most think part, we, we were. I mean, we were accessible, and, and we were cool with I've them. Met, yeah. uh, I met Eric Singer a couple times. I met, um, it was, uh, where was it? It was at a Foreigner show at the House of Blues, and Paul and Eric Singer were, were upstairs, and I just happened to be upstairs. And I kept saying to my friend, I go, I have to, I have to meet Paul Stanley. <laughs> sure. I have to meet Paul Stanley. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you don't want to bother him. I'm like, I know, I know, but I got... And so everyone's kind of clearing out and I walk towards Paul and Eric and Paul turns around. He sees me walking to, towards him right. and he puts his hand out to right. shake cool. my hand. I was like, what is happening? I said, Hey Paul, I just wanted to say something. You know, it was just real quick, yeah. but it was like, wow, that was really nice. No, I, I so, always loved uh, meeting the fans. It was always exciting. And you guys really got to meet the fans when you did these uh, those acoustic shows. Oh, the convention tour. The convention tour. Yeah, that was crazy. But uh, it led right into MTV. You got something from MTV to play? Oh, mm-hmm. yes, we do. I tell you what, I have, I have Coming Home, I have Rock Bottom, and I have nothing to lose. Which one of those would you like me to, to uh, Coming to? Home is great. Yeah. And I have a story about Coming Home. Seems to say, hotels that all look the same. to drive me insane, but I can't get away. When uh, when Kiss Unplugged came uh, came on, it was uh, I think it was my first year out here in L.A. And my roommate and I, uh, Jimmy Pardo, we're gigantic Kiss fans, and we sit down to watch this thing. And mm-hmm. the first song is "Coming Home," and we think it's a brand new song. 
Wow. We had no idea that sure. that was on Hotter Than Hell. Right, it was just right. like, uh, we're like, oh, this is amazing. A brand new song. Mm-hmm. This is so killer. This right. is unbelievable. And then we then we go back and we're like, no, yeah. no it's on Hotter Than Hell. What? Right. Um, my favorite thing about Kiss Unplugged is when you're a Kiss fan, you have to defend yourself <laughs> constantly that you're a Kiss fan. Apparently. And you have to, you know, people say like, ah, that's just all right. makeup. And anyone who saw Unplugged saw that you guys can play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so great to see Gene like just play. I mean, he, of course, he always plays his bass, but I mean, mm-hmm. it just sounded so amazing in, in that acoustic uh, format. I mean, you guys, you guys looked great. Paul's hair was great. Everything was that. That was such an amazing show. Kiss Unplugged. Whoever yeah. thought that was going to happen? I know it. It, it was a, a good way to exit the band. You know, I didn't know it would be like the final hurrah. Yeah. See, but, that was my other. Well, yeah. that was that's the final hurrah. It's pretty great. But that's what I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Did you know prior to the recording of this that the makeup was going to happen? Or no. As you're so as you're sitting. As you're sitting there that night and all six of you are out there, in your head, were you thinking at all like, you know what, I might, I might be losing, well, the, I might lose my job here. The, the fact that Ace and Peter were a part of the event and, yeah. and the reaction in the, in the audience, which is really only like 400 people, was mm-hmm. huge. But I expected that, you know. I mean, of course. Right. You know, you bring out, the, the, anytime you see the origi- original yeah. members of exactly. anything get right. together, people love to see that. And and you know the the truth is that that was part of, of the agreement for MTV to do Kiss Unplugged. So they was, didn't want any part of a Kiss Unplugged with. Well, they knew that we were terrific, but they wanted everybody's looking for a scoop and angle, something yeah. that's going to really give you the ratings, which and, and the product that they they would be able to put out yeah. too. You know, so um, that was part of that agreement. And now, of course, you know Eric Singer and myself weren't aware of that. And and if you think about it, really, unplugged in the conventions was the catalyst for the reunion tour. You know, yeah. and it all makes sense when you when you look back at it. While it was all going through um, and happening, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. I'm glad I didn't really know that, like, you know, the politics behind and and all the behind the scenes. So Gene, Gene and Paul probably you know. had a master plan. Well, the, I know that they didn't know exactly how it would play mm-hmm. out, but if all things went well, then. They could do a reunion tour, yeah. you know, if if everybody you know played along and, right. and they were able to work. Because it out. They, at that point, they don't know, you know, Peter hasn't played in a long time. Right. What shape exactly is Ace possibly yeah. in? You know, yeah. and and you know, in the end, of course, they were able to all pull it together because the desire was there. Mm-hmm. In the midst, in the meantime, we even started up a new record, Carnival of Souls, yeah. which was you know as much as it was a meaner, darker, crazier revenge album, uh, you know, then revenge. Uh, it, it, you know, we had, they had a contract to, to, to record more and that was the material that everybody was working on. So, you know, the announcement and everything happened actually, um, three quarters through really Carnival of Souls. It was kind of a strange, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, timeline of things, but it, it played out the way it was supposed to, obviously. What's the, uh, what's the, do you have a sit down? Do you, is it like, is it like, uh, in the Godfather, they call <laughs> no, you in it, for a dinner? It was easy. Let's have a meeting over at Gene's guest house where, where okay. we did a lot of work before. So do you know like, when you get the call for the meeting, do you, do you and Eric Singer say, no, do you guys talk and go, we don't you know, know what it was about. You didn't really. know what it was we didn't about. Really know. I'm, I'm glad they kept it quiet because we were being creative yeah. working on a record and it was mm. smart for them that way because 
if for some reason everything went balls up with Peter and Ace and something, you know, just fell apart, well, they still have Kiss, you know, right. with, which was that very talented, attractive-looking Kiss that you saw on MTV, <laughs> you know. Uh, so you get what I'm saying, you know. Right. That, that was a smart way to do that. Right. And so even if they would have got, got back to it with, uh, with Ace and Peter and it would have only worked out for six months, then they right. could always go, they could okay, always, well, Yeah, and they did pay that, us for a year anyway, you know, because that's pretty sweet. I think they, they did want to keep it the way it should be. Just you know, in case. Just in case. And then, of course, it, you know, it took off really wildly, and as we know, and they stayed in makeup, which which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But but um, it was it was an awkward time. But it's interesting to see how the convention tour uh, led into the MTV Unplugged, and the fact that all right, now we're you know we've recorded it in the studio. It didn't come out yet, the record. But then it comes out around October. By then, we're getting ready to do Carnival Souls. But in in motion is still the plan to go do a reunion tour. Yeah. But that all has to be worked, worked out. out. I'm doing the little quote signs yeah, with my out. fingers, everybody. Um, the uh, Kiss Unplugged, how many songs were in the actual set? I mean, I, I don't think this is the entire... What there, was there, were, there were others. Not not a tremendous... Uh, believe me, it's out there somewhere. You know what I mean? I, know, I, I wish, I wish they would yeah. revisit this, though, and, and yeah. give us a deluxe edition of this. I, I, I'd love that, too. But the nice thing is at least it's on the um, uh, Kissology, probably three, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And that's and that's got a lot of you know. There it is because yeah. Because Dom- actual- Domino has a false start. Yeah, we, there, there was there's this country version of God of Thunder or something. We we fooled around a lot. We did a lot of crazy stuff. Um, uh, what was I? I was going to say something about Unplugged. Just so good. It's terrific. Just so good. Yes, it's terrific. Um, you also get to play on a on um in a live album. Was that? I mean, the alive, the, the alive albums are so iconic. When they when they said, right. you know what, I think we're going to record uh, an, an, a new live album called Alive Three. Was was that exciting for you? Did you know what that would mean to the fans? Because it had been a long time sure. since Kiss Alive Two was out. It, it was time. I mean, certainly uh, with Revenge, uh, uh, you, you know, being such a good record and the, and the tour doing well enough. The music was changing a lot, so it wasn't uh, quite the success we had hoped. Um, but we had a great stage show and everything, and to capture that, uh, both on film and then, of course, to record three concerts and then put out a lot, yeah. what would be a live three, I was very excited about. And I also knew that the set list would be representative of all the years, which is what we used to do, so that was important, too. And, um, yeah, I remember the, the Revenge, uh, the, revenge um, the stage show, you had the, uh, the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. and then the face blows off, yeah, and yeah. it's a It looks skull. like kind of Terminator-looking, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then, then the torch blows off, and it's given the finger. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And, yeah, I saw, I think it was at the UIC Pavilion in mm-hmm. Chicago is the show go. I saw. Right. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, obviously I've seen Kiss, you know, in, in makeup, you know, through various years, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and, of course, the technology that... That everybody can carry now is unbelievable, uh, both lighting and and, and uh, effect wise. But for 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 you know thinking it's you know, uh, you know over twenty years ago, I think that it was pretty remarkable staging. And what I liked about um, what I liked about like when I saw you on the Revenge tour is um, with the makeup, the, the, there doesn't seem to be room for much spontaneity. Mm-hmm. You know, because everything is. We, we have to be here at this certain point because this is going to blow up right, and then right, right. Paul's going to fly up and Gene's going to go over here and okay. this is when he, you know, so, um, so when, when you guys, when, when it was no makeup, I felt that it, it, 
even if there wasn't, mm-hmm. it felt like it felt like a little bit more, a little looser. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's a talent to that too, because yeah. we did know like like kind of what sure. You what still need happen. to know where you should be at certain parts. But, but I get, but I get your point that uh, in in a makeup show that it, things might be even more intense, more structured. Yes. But, yes. But um, but you know, look, we we always you know really interacted with the crowd. That, yes, that was something I learned big time from from Kiss, of course. Um, well, let's get. I want we're backtracking again to mm-hmm. to hot in the shade. Right. Um, let's hear the beginning. Uh, well, let's just start playing "Rise" to it. This is amazing. This is a, what do you call? It? Is this a steel guitar at the beginning? It's a slide guitar. Slide yeah. guitar. Yeah. Pedal steel. Yeah. got a little bit of a chill there listening to that that's uh paul just is the greatest mm-hmm. when people throw out that david lee roth is the greatest front man <laughs> i have to counter with a paul sure, stanley absolutely yeah because to me you know paul's stage banter is silly sometimes mm-hmm. and it's it's you know fun and ridiculous but i i would much rather hear him doing that than watch David Lee Roth spin right. a sword. Or, sure. You know. I know, no, I get it. It's, uh, I, Paul's amazing. I, I always refer to him. He's the, the, the consummate uh, front man and mm-hmm. uh, totally, uh, I was, I had to give somebody some quotes recently and I remember coming up with, he was like a whirling dervish on stage, <laughs> yet, yet totally in command of the show, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very, very gifted at that. I mean, he, he, he really, I, I understand and I could see the vision of him practicing in his bedroom when he was young, you know, being a rock star, yeah. you know, and, and he, he has very little uh, 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 fear about it. You know, it's, it's very natural the way he could dance and with the guitar mm-hmm. and perform and, and, and carry on. And on seven-inch heels, know. too, yes, nonetheless. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, some guys just, you see him and you go, oh, Paul Stanley, he couldn't do anything but this. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's is what he was going to do. Um, oh, they're coming to get us. <laughs> is that the firehouse? Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, do you have a favorite non-makeup out or not non-makeup favorite album you were? Yeah, which would of? be non-makeup. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, look, there were highlights throughout the records, but I, I definitely felt Revenge was 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 where the band kind of there was a certain uh, you know all the stars aligned and, and things were really. Uh, quite, you know, gelling quite strong. Even the band's look came together. You guys went with the black leather. Yeah. It was, uh, you know. And and, and it wasn't really thought out. I remember uh, I went shopping with a girl that did clothes for us for for quite a few years. And I remember us picking a lot of, I like that and she likes this. And it was mostly leather, you know, would study kind of, you know, metal studs and, and, and 
black gloves and stuff like that. And I remember I showed up with that, and everybody had something black leather. Yeah. You know? So it's not like like I, I'm, I'm saying I designed it, but I remember I was happy, like, hey, check this jacket out. And then everybody took out a, a leather jacket, you know, and the next thing you know, there's the look, you know, for revenge. You seem like black is your color, you know, like, I like all, black, all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine with me. Was there any talk, was there any concern that Eric Singer had blonde hair? You know, I, Paul actually welcomed that in the beginning. So did Gene, because we, we didn't want to try to clone anything mm-hmm. or, or carry on in any tradition. It didn't have to be a rule that you had to be an Italian, right. you know, dark-haired drummer from New York. <laughs> sure, you know what I mean? Sure, so, I get it. Of course, you know, now with now his he has role as, as the Catman, you know, that's what he's going to be. But that, that's moral because he's playing a character. Mm. I know as soon as, and I hang out with Eric quite a bit, Whenever he's off and he knows he's gone a month, there's facial hair, he's back to blonde. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. He, he, he's very, very natural about it. But uh, at that point, we, we just let him be who he was. You know? And Revenge, Bob Ezrin comes back, who produced yes. Destroyer. And then, and then some people would say, drop the ball with The Elder. But I, I think there's No, some, The Elder's a good record. I think there's good stuff on but, The Elder. But it was different. And may, maybe that was Kiss trying to be Pink Floyd, and they shouldn't be Pink Floyd if, if, yeah. if, if you think it took, it took things a little too far. Yeah. But... Ezrin, even I think at his... It's a great sounding record. Yes. Yeah. Even if at his oddest, I still think he's, he's talented, but certainly he was, uh, he was very, very fine-tuned for revenge, and he really was like a mad professor who, who really knew how to um, you know, get the best out of all of us. I learned a lot working with him. I, I, I mentioned earlier that I like to take what I can from everybody you know, when I see something valuable, you know depending on the artist or the, uh, the producer. And I, I do really feel that Ezrin was uh, um, brilliant to watch in the studio and create with. And uh, it's, for me, this is, uh, this is Gene's strongest album in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, was, I mean, he's got Unholy right. and, and Spit and mm-hmm. Domino, yep. Thou Shalt Not. I mean, these... I mean, because for so long, in, for me, for me as a fan, I, I would gravitate more towards the mm-hmm. Paul songs. Right. But with Revenge, I thought everyone was hitting hitting yeah. a home run here. I mean, you're making a really valid point about Gene on Revenge. And, and I, I couldn't really completely rewind my brain to say, like, exactly why that happened. Yeah. But, but I'm glad he did because, you know. It felt like, oh, he might, he might be know. fully committed. Right. He's not, he's not 85% committed. Yeah. He's all in on this one. And it, but, it, it was worth it yeah and I, but i'm also sure that ezra was the kind of guy that he he he, he didn't uh if it wasn't good enough it wasn't going on the record you know what i mean yeah. so so if, if if you know that maybe that pushed gene harder i don't know but i'm glad i'm really glad about those songs and gene gets to kick the uh the album off too with a song he wrote mm-hmm. with with vinnie vincent yep. so let's hear a little bit of uh of unholy This this sounds weird because it, 
to say that it sounds like Gene's having fun. Oh, yeah. But it sounds I, like he's I, totally embraced. <laughs> it sounds like this is the most demon he has yes. been without wearing Absolutely. the makeup. Absolutely. No, it's terrific return to form for him. And, and, and that look actually works for him. I know when he, oh, yeah. when he does things apart from the current makeup kiss, that's kind of how he looks. He looks revenge era. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him. and he, he finally had the look together, yeah. too. The hair yeah. was good. He had, yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. He had a little goatee. Yeah, the, yeah, everything yeah, exactly. was gelling. Um, I got to ask about Eric Singer, and then we're going to move. We're moving out of kiss. Okay. Yeah, even though Carnival of Souls has your first. <laughs> we might have to hear a little bit of, uh, of uh, it's I Walk Alone, correct? I walk alone. I walk alone. That was your first and only lead vocal on a Kiss album. True. I want to ask about um, at the recording of Revenge. Was Eric Carr? Was he? Um, how do I want to say it? Did Did you know that he wasn't coming back? Well, what um, was what was the prognosis at that point? I was always aware that he was in a lot of danger, mm-hmm. you know, because because of his health. But yeah. Ezra and you know, I think I think it wasn't fair. I'm really glad, you know, that they didn't try to torture him and say like, okay, play. Mm-hmm. Even though I know he wanted to, and maybe that's if that's only going to be 75 percent of like his real capability if right. he was completely healthy. So it was kind of unfortunate, but we, I think I think that was the right decision. Fortunately, he's on. Of course, God gave rock and roll to you. He's singing on that, and he's um, in the video, and he's in the video, and he had more energy than me that day. So he really wanted to be a part of that, and I, I give him tremendous credit for for his uh, his you know that 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 you know stamina to do that while you're you know battling you know a disease like cancer, but um, it, it wasn't going to be right for him to to burden him with such an important record and expect him to play at his best when he's mm-hmm. fighting for his life basically yeah. you know and that that's um, that's no exaggeration. So he so. So he wasn't. He, he knew he was no longer in Kiss at that point. At that point, he uh, knew Eric Singer was was in that slot. Eric would record it, with the band, and if by right. some mm-hmm. miracle or miraculous recovery, right, he would then. I, he, I would he presume would, that that would have happened. He, there was, there was a lot he, of stuff going on yeah. then that was crazy, and I I I barely uh, um, could keep up with a lot of it, but. To me, always as his friend, the most concerning thing was his health and whether yeah. or not you know he could survive uh, something that when I would ask a doctor friend, oh, you know, that's like a, you know, when they give me the percentage of the people who survive that, yeah. it's not something that you feel very, very uh, comfortable knowing, right? Or positive, it's very, about. very awkward, you know. Yeah, very it's uh, and, and you know this is this is a, this is sad. Be- this is stuff like this is really uh, well. Always, death is always sad, but I mean, this he had he had cancer. He mm-hmm. he wasn't didn't didn't have a heroin overdose. Right. Nothing crazy like that. And yeah. think about it, for a guy with such a big heart, cancer, uh, the tumor was on his heart. Yeah. That's like, it's a very rare form of cancer, too. And, uh, but he does get a, a little uh, tribute at the end of uh, mm-hmm. the Revenge album with the... Uh, yeah, with the, the car jam. The car jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to play guitar over. in that. And that was like immediately after the funeral. And people would ask, well, what did it feel like going back to work? And I was like, I was grateful to get back to work. To forget about it. Yeah, exactly. Because all that was just uh, terrible sadness. You yeah. Know? Very sad. Well, we, we don't say it to joke. We actually say it. Uh, we, we say rock and peace. So mm-hmm. we rock and peace. Uh, yeah. Eric. Eric oh, he Carr. made his mark. And, uh, you know, I'm still close with the family. And they've mm-hmm. been very, very, um, uh, you know, ambitious and creative mm-hmm. with keeping his legacy alive. And I've been involved with some things in that regard. Yeah. So, 
sometimes I, I've had dreams of Eric and, and I feel like he's, he's always a part of me and watched over things with me. So, uh, it, it was a wonderful experience, ha- you know, getting to be close and working with him. Yeah. I always think like, uh, if, if Eric Carr hadn't have passed, would there have been a kiss reunion tour with Peter and Ace? Because, you know, Eric did wear makeup. Exactly. So maybe, I know maybe it, who knows what, what would have happened? Who, who knows? knows? I know. Um, Real quick before we get into some solo Bruce mm-hmm. Kulick stuff and talk about your newest project, right? Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. Yeah, beyond I anything agree. I can think <laughs> of, that you and Eric Carr right. were not inducted. I mm-hmm. understand Vinny one album. I yeah. understand Mark St. John kind of mm-hmm. a blip on the on yep. the Kiss. I understand Eric Singer. Brand new recorded history, not really there. But you have a recorded history with Kiss, as does Eric Carr. Eric Carr also wore makeup. I do not under. Mm-hmm. Two of the guys <laughs> that got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are not even the best musicians at their instruments that have ever been in Kiss. Yeah. So that is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, from from the moment it, 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 there were many years that fans would like uh, do these petitions to make it, you know, yeah. kind of happen. And, and the band, you know, I know this was even when I was in the band, they'd laugh at it, you know, and just you know, yeah. whatever. And and uh, you know, it, it, the truth is, when you have a, a an organization like that, which which uh, gets a lot of publicity mm-hmm. and, and deservedly so, it's you know, rock and roll is kind of sacred to all of us in our own way, but. But they really just um, they play by their rules, and that's all yeah. they care about. And 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 it's not a popularity contest, even though they've kind of loosened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hence, Kiss, you know, them realizing we want to sell out an arena. Let's have a band like Kiss. It used to be a, like a you know a large ballroom at a at a hotel. That's not exactly the same as yeah. Barclays Center. Okay, I noticed this year it was a little return back to something a little more modest. You know, in Cleveland. You know, but. Um, the controversy, I mean, if they wanted press, they got it Yeah, <laughs> much, much more than this recent year, you know, with, uh, Joan Jett and, and the others. But, but honestly, um, it was good for me being, I'll explain why, uh, the more, uh, pigheaded, uh, you know, the hall of fame was about only the original four, because that's what started it. Even though we know this precedence that, that shows that they've had other bands that yeah. every member that was right. ever in the grateful dead, for example, which was a great they, one that Paul would bring well, up. They, they, yeah. And they inducted, they inducted the E street band right. last year, which, that, yeah. but like every member that's ever been in the E street band, I like Vinnie Lopez yes, who played yeah, drums yeah, on the yeah. first two. It's like, know, no one even know. knows who yeah. that guy and is. The, the Fleetwood Mac thing. Oh, the Fleetwood Mac thing Bob with, with Bob Welsh. Mm-hmm. Not get, he was there. Right. He was on five studio albums. Yeah. He kept the band going before, Lindsay and Stevie right. joined. From, from what I understand, there's been more that are similar to the Kiss thing than than less. And not okay. Yeah. Although the ones that we know of that they let the rule go by uh, are very high profile. You know, from the Grateful Dead to Springsteen, which by the way are very connected to some of the people that are involved with the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But be, be that as it may, since there's no way to vote them out or make it change when they kind of created it and own it and run it. I thought that Paul and Gene, especially Paul, being extremely vocal about it, put up the the good fight representing the forty years of Kiss at the time instead yeah. of just the first uh, you know era of of the original guys, and that put a, a nice uh, spotlight on me. 
you know yeah i was i got a, a shortly when it was all announced and everything was going down i remember eric singer and i talking and i'm going like what do you think he goes like well i ain't gonna get in i said well i know i'm not gonna get in either but this is going to be a mess. I know it. You know what I mean? Are they going to yeah. play? What are they going to do? You know, you know, so we'd have these little conversations. And then within a week, I remember Paul writing me a, a very, very kind, wonderful email that, that, that I cherished um, explaining, I haven't forgotten what you meant to this band. Absolutely. You know, and, and, uh, and I knew, I, and I discussed it with my manager not to talk about it and get involved and get in the mudslinging. Let everybody else, you know, throw the throw the mud balls at each other um yeah rolling stone spoke to me and wound up you know on one of their online things Mm -hmm. regarding the the hall of fame actually after they showed it on hbo which is i'm i'm beaming i'm i'm excited to be there because sure i was invited i was at the table i was a part of it my name was mentioned by both tom morello and gene so for me it was a win even though i didn't get to go up there and thank everybody or get an award Mm -hmm. um i know that the fans the people that matter know and 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 people like yourself, yeah. who I could tell are like, what, what just happened? This is ridiculous. It was bittersweet. Yeah, and I get fan mail of people saying, you should have been in the Hall of Fame. You know, what kind of nonsense is this? So I, I, I know that, the, the, that there really is a tremendous amount of support for me, but my win for it uh, is just oh, that whole spotlight of, of the band. And, and for once, there was a battle representing and and kind of waving the flag of all eras of kiss mm-hmm. instead of it just being the original four yeah and no one gave a, a better uh induction speech than tom Morello. oh he was terrific and a Holy, real fan i know well, yeah. you, you so can't fake great. that fandom exactly uh okay well look it didn't end with kiss right it you you uh, you, you were even on you were you even played on psycho circus <laughs> exactly you played the, out. Yeah, the back, played some... backwards guitar on, yep. on within and you co-wrote dreaming yeah, but I played bass on uh, quite a few of the tracks too. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But that's another thing with with, with Kiss. Sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. not not when it was non makeup, right? But when it was makeup, yeah. We we know now. Yeah. Hey, who who knows who was on yeah, those exactly. sometimes? Yeah. But uh, which is another reason. Mm-hmm. Ooh, no, I know. Don't I know. get me started. Um, so in two thousand one, you release a, a solo album, mm-hmm. Audio Dog, right? And opening track is Killer. Let's hear Change Is Coming. For the listeners, uh, if you haven't heard any of Bruce's solo music, it is on iTunes. Yes. That only happened really a year ago. I, I, it took a while for me to get digital, mm-hmm. even though I'm very hip with devices yeah, and all. Yeah. It's just I wasn't really sure what to do, so now I did that. And I did that once uh, BK3, which was the third record. The rights returned to me, and I sat on that, and I finished an extra song. So then I realized, let me, over the course of just uh, a short period of time, get all three of the solo records. Transformer was the second one. And actually, Change is Coming is the second track, I think, of uh, uh, Audio Dog. The first one is oh, well, Paradise. Well, but you, but you, don't worry. Uh, you played a good song because I was singing it. The other it. one's an instrumental. How do you feel about yeah. singing, by the way? I, I asked I, uh, I asked Steve yeah. Lukather yeah. this. 
Um, because I, I would, I, I think he would say he was primarily a guitar player, and mm-hmm. then he sings. So, are you comfortable singing? Steve's you, a terrific singer, by the Steve way. Steve is I, a terrific singer. It's I, so weird. I, I work with a lot of really great singers, so I'm very self conscious of it. I don't have that range. I, I grew up in this mm-hmm. era of like, you know, everyone's like, ah, you know, you know, up there, and, yeah. and that wasn't a range for me. But I'm, I'm proud. Obviously, the, uh, you know. I walk alone thing uh, broke the nervousness of me having a, a, a mic, you know, for a song, and and um, and I got I got you know into it more and more, and uh, you know I still uh, uh, it, I don't consider it my primary instrument in any way, <laughs> but but I I do enjoy uh, when when it when it's in my range and it fits and I and I can really own it, you know, I'm comfortable with it. Well, I think that's the thing, it, it, you know, as long as you don't go out there and try to sing like Steve Perry, mm-hmm. if you keep keep it in a range that you right. can, you can do, then you're gonna you're gonna exactly. you're gonna pull it off exactly. You know, um, second solo album is uh, is Transformer, and I love this uh, Jump the Shark mm-hmm. instrumental and first think, song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say this the first song. so much fun. This is killer. Sounds good in stereo, too. <laughs> with headphones. I know. Like like I, I only listen to music with headphones when I'm doing the show. That's cool. Um, what do you, um, what's the expectation when you put a, a solo album out, you know, like in 2001, 2003? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, even, even if Paul Stanley puts a solo album out, it's not going to, you know, sell hundreds and hundreds of thousands correct, of copies. Correct. So what is the, what's the goal just to, right. just to be creative and, and well, right after kiss, I, I, I had the band union with John Karabi, right? Which is like, we could do a, a an entire show on that. And you also what, did an, an ESP yeah. album. Well, yeah, which, that was, was just another, like a, well, it was a covers record, sure. you know, with Eric Singer and John was involved. And then we were, you know, years later, we were able to do some touring with it, which was fun. But honestly, I got to that point once union kind of, hit its, you know, kind of way we kept, you know, just not making the progress we hoped to, okay? And I knew I had lots of songs left over from my Kiss era, yeah. and I knew I could be creative and write more. So I just decided to start with some of the stuff that was there and and turn this one into a, a you know, a song that I could sing, turn that one into an instrumental, and, and, and just be creative with it. And I was so pleased, actually, with Audio Dog that um, it didn't take too long. I was already a member of Grand Funk. But again, you know, that's just a touring band. So right. we just go out and we do 40 gigs a year. So I'm out touring. I'm, f- I'm home for four days. Then I'm gone for a weekend. Then I'm home again for five days. You have days. fun. You pay the right. bills. You're exactly. still a working musician. Your, your face is so, out there. And then I'm on planes a lot. So I'm writing lyrics. You know what I mean? Or, or, and then when in the hotel room, I'm, I'm tightening up the arrangement. So it wasn't a, a huge endeavor. And I, I found, found it very fun to be creative that way. Audio Dog, I'll be honest, I was one of those early do-it-yourself musician guys, okay? Meaning, I'll sell it out of the trunk of my car. That's what I used to say, (laughs) you know, because there were still labels around. There were still people throwing money around saying, here, you want a record deal? Okay, here's money. 
And I was just like, I don't need to deal with anybody, any of the game, any of the business bullshit. I'm just going to do my music. And recorded it and paid for it all and sold it. And it kept, it sold, it sold, it sold. It did a little bit of distribution. Physical product was a little more popular 14 years ago than right. it is now. But still, I was able to get it out there and enough to then do Transformer. And that didn't take too long to write and, and record. And I, I did have John sing a song, Karabi, on that. The, the, the longer story was how it had to get BK3 off the ground in the sense of how long it took me to finally finish that. Because then I started to, I wanted to up the ante, shall I say, and figure out what to do. And this this guy that I know here in L.A., Jeremy Rubolino, who related to Bob Ezrin, actually. Oh, nice. Who, who has that kind of like wild gift of... Uh, um, just thinking out of the box, kind of, uh, and and he worked with other people in town, and and then we started to hook up, and then became the long writing process from like 2006 till till 2008, where we were trying things and recording some things, and then updating, and then getting brave enough to ask a Gene to come on the record, and then Gene would go, "What about my son Nick?" You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Next thing I know, I'm writing a song where where Nick's writing it. You know what I mean with us. So you see there was a process Yeah, there. so you have guest vocalists on, on this album. <laughs> Bless you. I have some allergies in L.A. It's crazy. Uh, and that's where Steve Lukather got involved. All of a sudden, I'm having lunch right in the neighborhood here, and I'm saying, can I hire you to do a solo? <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to be on a song? A little did he know it was an entire instrumental track where we'd be like kind of trading riffs. It's called Between the Lines. Yes. Let, yeah. Let's play a little bit yeah, of that, and then I want to that. talk about, about Doug Figer. Yes. This is me. That's him. That's me. That's Steve. This is both of us. And now I'm doing the theme. So this is so great. Not to gloss over the union years, you guys yeah, don't the, worry, two yeah. studio we albums can't get to on live. Here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, John Karabi. I mean, if you've never heard the Motley Crue album that he yeah. sings on, it's uh, it's it's highly underrated. Exactly. piece of work that you, and John's you a, need to you hear. Know, wonderful talent. So. Yeah. By the way, this comes full circle playing this song. I know you've spoken to Steve recently, but Jimmy Haslip's the bass player on this. Oh my god! From my blackjack from, from blackjack. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And Kenny Aronoff, who's played with everybody. Kenny Aronoff. Have you had him on the show? I have not. He's. You need to get. I've him seen him with, with, with Mellencamp yeah. and with Melissa Etheridge, yeah. and I saw yeah. him with the Smashing Pumpkins. Yep. And, and I'm not. I'm not just saying this. Mm-hmm. Eric Singer and and Kenny Aronoff are my two favorite drummers. Cool. Cool. I've, Fucking love both I've of played guys. with both of them. Yes. <laughs> so what's that? Say? That says something about yes, you. Yes, it says something about me. Um, Dirty Girl uh, mm-hmm. features Doug Figer on yes. vocal, and I think this is the last recorded thing he ever did. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, it was through the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp that I, I wound up meeting Doug, mm-hmm. and I was a big fan. Uh, I loved the Knack, and oh. My Sharona was just a terrific yeah. song. And uh, I didn't know that he actually had like a, a health scare prior to when he found out that he got he was sick and. To me, he was one of the bravest people I know because even when I, uh, my short time that I knew him for a few years, you know, he was dealing with, with, with this cancer situation and, and it was just a miracle how he handled it. And uh, I always will be grateful to him for not only uh, singing the song for us and doing such a fine job, 
uh, I remember Jeremy was kind of like intimidated, even like, like, like telling him what to do, but we didn't have to, he just came in and nailed it. He was in and out of the studio in a half hour and that was terrific. And I, I loved that he sang it. Cause I always thought of someone like that, uh, to sing that, that song. But when he passed away, sadly at his, uh, he had a, um, you know, a, a, I guess you'd call it a, uh, memorial at, yeah. his, at his home celebration you know? of him. yeah and his brother was a famous attorney yes you know uh jeffrey feiger uh he did tell me that the record he passed away like on valentine's day i think of yes he 2010 did. and my record was just released uh, a week before uh, or so and then um i got him a, a copy uh, a few weeks prior so apparently jeffrey said that he did hear it he, he enjoyed it and um, but I'll never forget when I was there. It was exciting. Oh, my Sharona's here. Look, it's it's the girl. That's that's Sharona. Okay, she's here. And Lisa Loeb is there, and 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 you know other you know people hanging around. And then all of a sudden, Ringo Starr walks in wow. with with Jeff Lynn and and um, uh, 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 what what's the Joe Walsh? You know, that's it was just amazing. Like, with with Barbara Bach. You know, with with Ringo and and her twin sister is Joe Walsh. Is Joe Walsh's wife? wife. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, you know, Lisa was with me. I was busy kicking her when, when, when I turned around and saw Ringo. And she was like, you got to talk to him. I was like practically hyperventilating. I'm such a Beatle fan. Did you talk to him? And, and, and it's interesting. Odd, always odd things happen in, in my life, I find, where, where certain things come up and you don't know why. Then it will reoccur in an odd way a week later. And then there's another one. And then all of a sudden, and then there's the big one. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't know you, you're, you're leading up to it. You know, a Ringo photo I buy at an autograph show. The fact that, you know, something to do with his drums. Being invited by a friend from Australia to go see him at the Grammy Museum. He did a special performance um, with Ben Harper backing him for the record that came out then. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, uh, so I was there for that. So that gave me something that I could say something to him, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because just saying, hi, I was a former Kiss guitar player and, and the Beatles are my favorite band. I mean... Uh, and I think he's heard it enough, you know. <laughs> but and, and that was my little connection with him. I did talk to him a little bit about the Grammy thing because he was kind of difficult with the um, the guy who actually interviewed him, which I found I- ironic because uh, I didn't like the guy, <laughs> you know. So I've I been to him. a couple Grammy events. I don't but, know if it's so, the same guy. I I'm sure it is. I don't yeah. care he's, for him. He's got an Italian name. I, he's I, kinda, I, I sit. Know I is. sit in the audience like yeah. I saw Cheap Trick there, and yeah. the questions he was asking That's were driving I mean. me crazy. Like he's like. Yeah. What was it like to play the Budokan? I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? That's well, the... Well, Ringo um, treated him like a dog. And, that, and I thanked him for that. And Barbara was just like, I told you you were mean. You know what I mean? You know, it was like that, you know. But, uh, but then, and here's, here's the biggest thing I take away from that. Because here he is, Ringo Starr, the most famous, you know, drummer in the world from the biggest band in the world in, in my, in, in, you know, in my thoughts. Um, and then right before I said final goodbye to him, I said, and by the way, I, you know, because I did get a copy of the record, so I, you know, I listened to it. And there were a couple of tracks I really enjoyed. And I actually said, and by the way, I enjoyed the new album, you know. And he made a point. He turned, because he was already, like, heading, you know, stops eye to eye. Thank you. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, now, nice. You know, but it just proves to me that it doesn't matter how famous you are. You always want to be validated. You want to sure. feel like the effort that you put into something that is different from what you're famous from. Right. You know, uh, you know, meant something to somebody. And Ringo, still, he, he makes a lot of albums. He puts mm-hmm. out a lot of products. Still. Another one out. I know, I yeah. know, I know. But I, he, what a terrific guy. I, I mean, I, I love his, uh, his attitude and the whole peace thing is just great. You know? So Doug, thank you, Doug. 
you know i and, and, and it was really funny because i remember talking to lisa about it um you know, Doug's, you know, his wishes are to scatter his ashes. And I'm kind of like looking at Lisa going like, I don't want to be touching that. Yeah. I don't, what? What? And then after meeting Ringo, let's go get some of his let's ashes and ashes. spread it. So, you, so the people that were at the memorial yeah. actually took them in. Yes. Yes. He wanted that. That was his wishes. Yeah. Well, that's good. Then you yeah, guys, yeah. You, then again, we did a good thing. And another, he did a good thing. Another guy rocking peace. Yes. Wow. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit of Dirty Girl, and then we're going to talk mm-hmm. about KKB. And yep. I, I'm sorry that you I, di- I didn't expect to. There's just so much to talk about. Yes, there is. You have, have so much I to have talk that about. Career, <laughs> and that's good. If that you didn't have career. anything to talk about, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. No. All right, let's hear Dirty Girl with uh, Doug Figer on vocals. Voice, love the knack. Never got to see them until I moved to LA, and then I got to see them tons. They played mm-hmm. so much. I had uh, I had Burton and Prescott on the show together from the knack, and I asked them, you know, hoping that they would say there. Mm-hmm. I said, is there is there any are there any tracks that that you right. guys could work on and, and release a sure. posthumous right. knack album with Doug? And they said there there's not. There isn't. And yeah, it was sad. like that well, was disappointing. Thank God I, I, there's, this exists at least. And and I know some Kiss fans who especially like that power pop kind of music yeah. are, are big fans of the song. So it's I'm a great very, tune. Very excited. But again, I I do feel in a in a sad way he is kind of one of those under underrated heroes. Yeah, you know he I mean? really that, is. That super talented and all. Um. So now this this is uh, this is, like works out perfectly because I asked you to come on the show and you mm-hmm. actually said I have stuff I have product I have yeah, new things yeah, yeah, something new. so you have uh, you have something coming out uh, under the title of KKB mm-hmm. that's for Kulik cats and boys boys yes and these are or Boise if you're Boise French if you're, <laughs> or if you're from Idaho um, but this is uh, these are buddies of yours that you used to play with yes. way back in 1974 correct. And you guys, this is this. These are songs from way back when. The majority of it is, yeah. But there is a new track, brand new song, yeah, called uh, "Got to Get Back," yeah, which I wound up titling the album. Yes. And uh, so, tell us how, how. Tell us a little bit about how this project came together. Well, I had no idea actually back in, in this was technically the first group that I was working with to do original music. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was very fortunate locally in my neighborhood to have such a talented singer songwriter, bassist, my cats, you know, who literally lived on my block. And I really respected him because I just knew that he was, even though we co wrote one thing back then, that, that kind of really worked. But he can come up with these entire, you know, songs and, and lyrically and sing them well. And they were intricate. They, they had, very progressive leanings, but they were still cream oriented, which is another band I worshipped yes. when I was growing up. 
and I could be his like progressive Eric Clapton ish. And then our drummer guy was very, very much into that, the big drum kit, you know, so he could be a kind of ginger Baker, John Bonham ish kind of drumming. And we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. I mean, at 20, you don't have to worry about paying bills and doing right. much else. It was Dayglo, you know, posters on the, on the wall with the black light and uh, sometimes a little party material, and, but practice, okay? And we did that enough, and we tightened up these, these uh, songs. They were six songs. And then we went in the studio and recorded them pretty professionally, considering it was just like an eight-track studio. But we went home with four tracks, tapes, okay? I had a, 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 t- a version of it uh, in my closet on Radio Shack tape, which is not exactly uh, a, a high-end. Right. Yeah. But I found that in 2008 when I you know, actually had a, a working tape deck again. Was, you remember it, was it labeled or was it just blank? Yeah, no, no. It, it, said, it didn't say KKB. It just had our names, okay? Okay. The six songs and the date it was recorded. And I actually took that tape and played it on this, you know, and then the only reason why I played it was because I found a, you know, a killer deal on a, on a vintage TAC machine in the neighborhood, <laughs> brought it home, I play it, and then I played it for some friends, like Chuck Wright from uh, Quiet Riot. Nice. And he was like, you got to put this out. This is killer. So I remember I cleaned it up back in 2008. I just took that Radio Shack tape, put it in Pro Tools, did whatever I can. There was some dropouts, it was, a, you know, but I did what I could. I made a limited edition thing that sold out pretty quick, quickly at the time. Okay, the the beauty and the reason I'm revisiting this was all of a sudden Mike and I kept in touch with him. He came to see me in in you know Florida or New York to see Graham Funk, and all of a sudden he says, "I found the original tapes." Meaning now we had control over each track. Oh, that's great! Know, which was great. I'm going. You're kidding. You know, you got to transfer it, make it digital. Let's let's talk about this. But I would like to reissue this thing and put it out proper. Now that we found the real tapes, but we have to write a new song because to give it some some weight, that would be the fair thing to do. Right. So uh, and so the people that bought the other one, are, yeah. they're getting something new also. Exactly. I mean, again, that that's less than a thousand if you think about it. You know, the hundred I gave away. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? But yeah. still, and it was never on iTunes. It was never a digital release or on Spotify or Pandora. You know, it's not. It doesn't exist. But really. now. But now it will, yes. So the fact that the original tapes transferred so perfectly, I was shocked. Um, my friend Brian Virtue, a very talented producer engineer who helped me with this, you know, he was comparing the old one to this, and he goes like, you know, it's even at a proper speed now. In other words, you know, whatever I had was whatever that Radio Shack yes. was, you know. And, and, and he was pretty excited. He said, like, I, I can work with this. We're going to do some good stuff. So I added strings. This guy, Jeremy, I mentioned before, is a, is a terrific string arranger, too. And he wrote a beautiful string chart for uh, the ballad on the record. So we added that. We didn't fiddle otherwise. I didn't double guitars and add other instruments. But the brand new song was, was obviously, uh, you know, a lot of fun to do. Uh, we all live in different cities. You know, Guy, he's actually uh, Haitian, I believe, um, when I met him in, in you know, Queens, his, his, his folks. So he, he lived in France all of a sudden. I think when his dad died, he wound up in France, and he's in Paris. And then Mike, of course, is still in New York on the same block where we, always, where we grew up, believe and, and it or not. You, and you're in L.A. You know, and I'm out here. So everyone did their – Mike did a great demo of the song that uh, I, I took – I let him – he was visiting over the holidays. I remember when we talked about the master plan, and I sent them back to New York with uh, what I felt was like if I had to put my, my hat back on to 74 and we're going to write something, it would be these ideas – 
go make it a song. And, and he turned it upside down, inside out, and turned it into this song, Got to Get Back, that I just loved. And again, we worked on his demo, so I overdubbed all my guitars here in L.A. He overdubbed his vocals there. Guy did the drums in, in Paris. You could do things like that right. now. You couldn't do that in 74. You know, I don't think that existed. But the song is terrific. And, and, and the ironic thing is it does sound kind of like something that's a real throwback to that era. It's, it's you, know? you, uh, I, you sent me a press re- your press release today, right. and then I saw, oh, there's a new song. Uh, could you bring that tonight to we, we're, so we can play it? And then you sent me an MP3, yes. and I listened yes. to it yep. like 10 times today. It's cool. fantastic. Cool. So I'm excited and, um, about that. How much of this can we play? Because I would like to use it as our playout song, but I only want to play... Yeah, you know, whatever you like. You know, it's, right. it's going to be... Uh, you know, it's going to be available uh, in June, the top of June. Okay. It's everywhere. It's going to be uh, what I decided to do because, you know, it, it is a unique thing, unique thing that it's only going to be for my website and it will come as a whole package. And okay. It comes with a, a special guitar pick and a download card and a photo card, you know, and, and as great. you can tell, it's a, it's a real nice package. I didn't skimp. I mean, to make something that... Yeah, he's got the package in front that, of us. That's yeah. a throwback to the, yeah. to the 70s. And unfortunately, the disc's in my car. It's got vintage <laughs> photos of you but, of, of yes. you and, your, and, and I mean, the guys. Look at me there. You know, this is crazy. <laughs> and Mike, it was very hard to get some photos together. I mean, who knew? Back then, that wasn't your generation. You yeah. know, and us, you know, everything with yeah. the iPhone. Everything's digital. Go, and- you know? Exactly. So, uh, but I'm real proud of it. And, and I, I really feel, if I didn't believe in the music and I didn't feel that I couldn't enjoy it now, which I, I, I do tremendously, I, uh, I want to share it with everybody. But this, and, and doing it like this is, I think, uh, a better way to do it. You know, I mean, the new song and then, and then it being the real tapes, you know, just modernly mastered and, yeah. and remixed. I know, think it's so great. And I, I still love physical. I love sure. holding something in my hand uh, that's, you know, music and reading the lyrics. Well, there's going to be a lot of news out there about it because uh, this time I'm, I mean, I'm putting a push behind this. I'm not just doing it or uh, announcement on Facebook. Right. You know, I got a publicist that's going to get it out to all the journalists do and, it. and talk about it because uh, I, again, I think it's a glimpse into my past that I'm very proud of because you do hear my style in it, even though it, it isn't exactly the same as as what you w- would know me for. But um, it, you still hear me. And then, and then what, it, what what we were doing, considering we were all like like 20 years old, I, I find is going to blow some people away. Yeah, it's it's this this song. I mean, I know this is a new, a new track, right. But it's it's fantastic. I Thank love you. it. Thank you. So we'll play out with that. But before we do mm-hmm. that, where can we find you on? Give us your Twitter handle. Yeah. Well, it's it's at Bruce Kulik. There you I'm, go. I'm pretty easy. The, the website's Kulik.net, K-U-L-I-C-K.net. Okay. And that will link you to everything, you know, to the Facebook, the official page. I get a lot of people that request me on there to my personal page. I do try to do the personal page. Like, you I know now, so I might accept you. You see what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> but, but that one, you know, I, I, I just want people to understand there is a limit on that on right. Facebook. But I, I really share about the same kind of stuff on both pages. It's not a big deal. But yeah. so many people live their lives on Facebook. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, and we, we are at Rock Solid Show on Twitter. So okay. give us a follow. Yes, back. and I will. Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm at Pat underscore Francis. Kyle is at Kyle Dotson Funny. You can go to rocksolidpodcast.com and read all of Andrew Rich's show notes. I got a, a kid that uh, mm-hmm. listens to every episode sure. and then writes all great, the show great. notes out. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah, It's pretty cool. And um, well, you I got- knew you were the real deal as soon as you told me Lukather did it. <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Melissa Etheridge has been here. Yes, Lukather, yes. La- That's awesome. And um, I got to get you Kenny Aronoff. That's all. I would, I would love it. And then, uh, yeah, and then people will see Bruce Kulik was on and yes. then they'll go, yeah, I can do it then. Yeah. Um, and they, and they have a lovely location, by the way, for you 
It's future guests. It's, it's conveniently located to <laughs> yes. Bruce Kulick's home. Yeah. Uh, and Lisa, Don't tell and anybody home. that one. No. <laughs> uh, and uh, you got Grand Funk shows coming up this summer? Yeah. As usual, about, we'll be out there you know, just about every weekend. Uh, we, I'm headed to Atlantic City on Friday, actually. Each weekend, there's a gig somewhere. Just that, All those dates are on my website. Excellent. You know? And Lisa, do you go on the road? Do you travel sometimes? Some of the trips she comes to. Yeah, she's got a job, you know. But by the way, when, and when everyone goes to my iTunes, you know, or or you want to look on whatever anything about Bruce Kulick, there's a beautiful song that Lisa sings amazingly, and uh, we uh, had it. Uh, we played it through the PA and did our first dance at our wedding oh, so a nice. year and a half ago too. Yeah, and it's 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 a cover. We didn't write it, but I'm playing jazz guitar. Mm-hmm. A whole other side of me. Okay? I think I looked over. I think but, Lisa yeah. rolled her eyes. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure uh, she, <laughs> she's very uh, humble. Okay, like 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 her husband a bit. But even if you just put in Bruce Kulick wedding, you'll hear the song. But that's actually my wife singing, and she's got very nice. she's got a voice that I love her as a person and as my wife, but. I completely melt when I hear her sing. Okay, I just turn to goo. You know, it's just amazing. Bruce, she really you, sings well. you are a mensch. <laughs> there there uh, you go. Now you know what it means. <laughs> Bruce, thank you so much for You're sitting welcome. down with me. I've been a, a Kiss fan true. since since it was, uh, I think I came in at Rock and Roll Over, but then from then on. Yeah, you know and, your stuff, uh, yeah. man. Yeah, so uh, I have some CDs I'd like you to sign for our sure. listeners. Absolutely. And we'll get a picture. Mm-hmm. But for now, everyone, uh, look for KKB mm-hmm. on uh, everywhere. Well, you'll hear about it everywhere, but yeah. Qlick.net is the way yeah. to see it. And Bruce, iTunes Bruce isn't going to stop talking about it. Nope. And we're going to play right now uh, Got to Get Back there you go. on Rock Solid. Rock Solid exclusive is what yes, I'm calling it. Yes, it is. Thank you, Bruce. Yes, you're welcome. She's running. She hides, but you got to get back. She's running. She hides, but you got to get back. Get back. Get back. Get back. Got to get back, get back, get back, get back.